Good. Wow. <laughs> Let's try wow. that again. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Bat Around. Coming to you live from the Press Box uh, Studios here in Baltimore. It is a beautiful, absolutely beautiful Sunday morning, Saturday morning. I don't know where I am. Can you turn the sound down just a I can turn bit? the sound down a lot, actually. Yeah, I don't know why it's so loud. It might be on the, uh, on the computer. On the computer end, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, anyway, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Paul Valley, voice cracking included. <laughs> and here is my co-host, Zach, who's having a bit of a rough morning. Yeah, you know, it... it, it I had I you know I started late. I think this might be the first time we've ever started late. Uh, we, we've with, we've started maybe thirty seconds late in the past, but we for some reason completely forgot to download the brakes. I don't know Zach why. Zach forgot hey, to it's, download it's, the brakes because he was too busy. It's all good. Talking about the softball team, the interns. No, no, I was, uh, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, he, he's super excited about about uh, I, it's, Towson it's, women's softball. It's, it's, it's a good opportunity. For it me. is. It's a good it opportunity. Is, it's a great opportunity. Doing a little bit with analytics, some I'm glass just, motion data, pretty I, cool. Hey, the battery's got to come first, man. The Bataron is coming first because I'm here right now. They're, they're, they're currently running a, a camp uh, there that I, I could be, but I'm here. So, hey, nah, the Bataron nah, is, is coming your, first. Your education and you fur- furthering your future. Is that a thing? Furthering your future? Yeah, fu- that sounds like a right word. Uh, uh, you, you, sure. you enhancing your future mm-hmm, prospects mm-hmm. is more important mm-hmm. than the Bataron. I do love the show. You love the show. We're yeah. happy to have you here. But you got to do what you got to do. I understand. No big deal. Uh, anyway. Orioles have extended manager Brandon Hyde. We all saw this coming, right? We we knew that there were rumors that it was a three-year contract that he signed in twenty prior to twenty nineteen with an option for twenty twenty two. It sounds like now it's more so an extension uh, through at right, least the twenty twenty two season that uh, was actually signed earlier in the year, and it just right. came out now. I don't know Not why. sure what the uh, what the sources are, are doing inside the warehouse right now. We, we need this uh, information to get out People, a little quicker. Uh, I don't care. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly so meaningless that... But, I mean, it, we, it, we knew he's coming back right, next like, year. We, like, we, we knew one way or the other whether it was the option yeah, extension. It, I, I don't know if I really agree with the extension. I don't know. I, I, I think we knew it was going to happen. It makes sense. Because, look, Brandon Hyde is... He's fine. I'm not a big Brandon Hyde guy, but he's he does the job that he's here to do. He manages the team. I don't know how well, but I don't also know if there's a guy who can come in here and do it better. I don't really think there is. You look at Buck Showalter. He led the 2018 Orioles, who had guys like Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope, Kevin Gaussman. They won 47 games. So Brandon Hyde you know, probably has done a lot better than some other guys could have. But I don't know why, and we don't know how long the term of this extension is, but I don't know if he's earned, say this was to be three years, I don't know if he's earned that. Yeah, I gotta roll my eyes at that. Because how could he have earned anything? Yeah. How could he have yeah. lost anything? Well, that's what I'm saying. He has no talent on this roster. He has never yeah. had talent on this yeah. roster. You have, I, I was on the Full Count Chaos podcast the mm-hmm. other day, and we were talking about, and realistically, he has four players. He yeah, has, he, has, he does. He, he has does. four players. He has. Who have had good seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, and then Trey Mancini's had a mediocre. I I don't disagree season. with you. My point is just that if you give him a little bit of a shorter extension, and then if you maybe extend it through twenty twenty three, you say, and you see what he does with well, a team that you expect to be more competitive, you, then you can make your we decision. Don't, we don't know how long the we don't, extension we don't. is. All we've been told is it's through next season, right? At, but at a minimum, uh, yeah. And right? he so, he and also wouldn't comment on his, his status at all, right? So it's look, uh, they've probably had conversations about this behind the scenes, sure. He's probably been like, "Hey, look, you gotta give me talent. Yeah. You gotta give me something to work with." And he's here. right. He's right. He has you nothing. Know, uh, th- uh, this dude goes out there. You can see it on his face. You can see it on his face every game 
what this is doing to him. I can't help but feel bad for him a little right. bit. I can't help. But, yeah. And, and I, I, I look at this team, and I look at this roster, and I say to myself, if I'm Brandon Hyde, mm-hmm. and I get it, he's a first-time manager. Yeah. I understand. And you're taking over a completely rebuilding from, from scratch ball club. At this point, you got to sit down behind closed doors with Michael Elias and be like, God, and, and with ownership, because ownership's mm-hmm. got to be there for these conversations. Mm-hmm. You got to give me talent. I this this is yeah. un, this, I can't. This is not doable. You have to imagine that the weight on Brandon Hyde from losing over a hundred games per year is a lot more than the weight on Michael Elias. Michael Elias probably doesn't really care or notice. No, I, I think that he cares. I, does he, though? Because he yeah, invested, uh, he invested uh, what, $2 million into the team in the offseason, which is fine. That's what they were supposed to do. But. I don't think that you can be part of a team mm-hmm. that loses this much. Good point. Okay, yeah. And not care. Yeah. But I think that... There's a certain level of Brandon Hyde who cares about his players so much he wants to see them I, win. I, I, th- I think that with, with Mike Elias, the care is there, but... He's willing to put that aside because he for the, know, for the bigger purpose for, 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 yeah. the, for the bigger picture, yep. right? I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with it after this year. They can't be this bad again. I, the, the, I this has to be the last year where they're the worst team in baseball. I can't disagree. It, the, it, it has to be. And, and yeah. look, and Mike Elias. Well, first and foremost, the Orioles lost last night 8-5. to five. They had a 5-3 to three lead in the ninth inning. Tyler Wells comes in for the save, faces one batter, exits with an injury. The Orioles are dropping like flies. Yeah, They're they dropping. Like, DJ Stewart's out for the year with knee surgery. Um, Tyler Wells' season is probably over. Tanner Scott's season is over. Matt Harvey's season is over. Jorge yeah. Lopez's season is over. Jorge Mateo's season is over. Yeah. Ramon Arias' season is over. They are dropping like flies. Yeah, it, it's. I guess if there's any time for this to happen, it's two weeks before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, not even two weeks before the end of the year, but it, you know, it is what it is. Guys wear down. Um, I'm really shocked, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if this happens soon. I'm really shocked Trey Mancini is still playing. I, I kind of feel like he needs to be shut down. He he looks pretty tired to me. He yeah, they're not going to shut him down. They they probably won't just for because Trey doesn't want to be because Trey he, doesn't want to be. He wouldn't want to be right. right. Trey they, wants they, to be they, out there. There's every day. no way they could convince yeah. him to sit out the last two weeks. Um, but yeah, no, Trey hasn't looked good in about a month and a half, maybe yeah. longer. Yeah, Ma- maybe it, it's, the, it's the been, power has completely been zapped. Yeah. and I, it's not entirely surprising. We talked about it before this year. We said, look, I don't know how a guy coming off chemotherapy, which we know how much it does to guys, and and you know brings them down energy level and and fitness wise and all of that. I don't know how a guy is going to play a full season. And we we talked about this. How would his body hold up? We we went extensively into this in the off season. Um, and you know now we're seeing that his power has been zapped he's still you know he's still hitting above 250 somehow um and the ops is still decently high and and you know in 21 home runs to end the year with that it's not awful i'll take it yeah uh, but i mean yeah there's no but there's no but it it's what he's done has been remarkable it is it is it, it's yeah. been remarkable um i think next year will be better for him assuming he's on the team i agree yeah yeah uh, because he'll be more than he'll be a full year removed like, like, literally, he finished chemotherapy a year ago. Mm-hmm. And people tell you there are lasting effects yes. from chemotherapy. Your body's really never the same. Right. Right. Uh, Trey Mancini getting back 250, 21 homers this year. What, like 70, 75 RBIs? Yeah, came in second in the home run derby. Yeah. I mean, we forget that, it's, too. It's, it's been a good year for it Trey. It has. It has. Nobody can fault him for being tired. Hit his 100th home run of his uh, career this year. Yeah. So you, you, Nobody can fault the guy for being tired. No. Now, somebody who's not tired, Cedric Mullins. No. And he should be tired, carrying the team on his back all yeah, year. Yeah, his back should be killing him. Yeah, hit his 30th home run. It took him two weeks, but he got to his 30th home run last night. 
Uh, first Oriole in franchise history with 30 homers and yep. 30 steals. Also has 36 doubles. Also has five triples. He is the 12th player in history. In the history of the game, only the 12th player yep. to have a 35 double, 30 homer, 5 triple, 30 steal season. Wow. I didn't know that. That's only all, the, 12, that's the last player to do it was Mookie Betts A guy that was optioned to double A two years ago. Optioned to triple A. Well, triple A and then double A. And then, then, then demoted to, to right, double A right. two years ago is a top five player in the game this year? Yeah. I, I would say he's maybe higher than that. He's not going to win AL MVP. Because no, of, of course team, he's not. The His team team is, is, they're not going to win 55, right, the, the, 52 the team, games. The team he's on, but look, Cedric Mullins has had a remarkable season. You know, you look at the, the past guys who have gotten 30-30 seasons. I saw a tweet about it yesterday. You're looking at guys like Mike Trout. Mookie Betts, these are the kind of guys that put up 30-30 seasons. Not Cedric Mullins. Not you know one of the shortest players in baseball who two years ago was struggling to hit like 230 at AA. This is unbelievable to see where he is, and it's incredibly exciting. It's incredibly exciting to see that the Orioles have a player that just had a 30-30 season. It's, it's the first in Orioles history, and if you look back, it's not entirely surprising. Most of the Oriole greats are not speedy guys. Um, you look at guys like Frank Robinson, you look at Brooks Robinson, Cal Ripken, none of these guys were known for stealing bags. Um, I'm a little bit surprised Brady and- uh, you know, Brady Anderson never did it. But Well, Brady, so Brady in 1993 hit, 20, hit 23, 24 home runs, okay. and he stole 50 bags. Yeah, yeah. And then in 1996, he hit 50 home runs and mm-hmm. stole like 26 bags. Yeah, so a little bit, so, a little bit so, surprising. It never happened for him, but yeah, it was, it was yeah, close. Yeah, for sure. It, it was it was close a couple of times. 30 home runs. I mean, Brady never hit more than 24 home runs, right. other, other than the 50 home <laughs> right. run season, uh. which is just an anomaly, and we won't get into that. But um, <laughs> but look, what Cedric's done is absolutely phenomenal. Yes. If he was on even a 500 team, if he was playing for. I don't know what's a team if he's playing for the Mets or the Reds or a team. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the Reds have been in playoff contention for the last yeah, few fair, months. They're fair, not going to make it. Fair. But if he was playing for the Mets or the Reds, sure. yeah, uh, he'd be an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. But he plays for the Baltimore Orioles in the league worst forty nine and one hundred five record. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now getting back to to Mike Elias, made some interesting comments during the game last night. He did. He did. Uh, he said that the Orioles are open to Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman starting the 2022 season on the Major League roster. Let's expand on this a little bit. I'm beginning to believe that the Orioles could be more active this offseason than people think. I, I, I would agree. I'm yeah. beginning to believe that because let's let's look at this. They announced the Brandon Hyde extension. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine Brandon Hyde saying... Let me let me get my brains kicked in again. Exactly. Brandon Hyde's not signing an extension if he doesn't know that Michael Elias is going to try right. to put talent on this field. Right. Between that and then the conversation with Chris Davis that led to his retirement, saving mm-hmm. the Orioles a ton of money last mm-hmm. year. The comments Elias made a couple of months ago about possibly spending as soon as this offseason. The impending arrival of Adley Rutschman and other top prospects, and I've said this for months, you can't expose those prospects to this brand you, of baseball. You, you can't. There's no way you can do that. To Elias alluding to the fact that we could see Grayson and, and Rutschman as early as day one next year. And uh, t- to me, these are signs mm-hmm. that the Orioles are switching their emphasis. That the Orioles are switching the emphasis yeah. to the major league roster. Because honestly, look, the rebuild didn't start in earnest until 2019. Yeah. But the Orioles on May 10th, in 2017, we're 22 and 10. They had the best record yeah. in baseball. Yeah. They finished the season with 75 wins. Yep. Right? 75 and 87 that year. 
Or was it 77 and 85? I think it was, it was 77 and 85. Yeah, 77 yeah, and 85. it was. It was. Then you go to 2018, they're going for it. They sign Kashner. They sign Cobb. They sign Tillman. And they win 48 games. Yeah, that was fun. Right? That was and they, fun. They, 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 sell the, the, they, they sell all their best players. Everything. They sold everything. And they, and they basically got nothing for them in return. Correct, yeah. Like, nothing for anybody. Um, Bruce Zimmerman, but he's been hurt happy. You, you know what? We, we haven't even talked about this in a while. It's been a while since we covered these trades, but when they when I look back on these, why were the Orioles trying to acquire guys that were so close to the majors? Because they knew they had to know they were so far off. This rebuild was going to take a long time. They, they acquired guys that were already like 23, 24. I would have been acquiring 18-year-olds. You know, get guys who well, could that's, be... Well, that's the difference between Michael Elias and Dan Duquette. Yeah. D- yeah. Dan Duquette yeah. Was, was, was used to running the Red Sox. Right. Who were always comp- competing, right? And then the twenty twenty, the twenty twelve to twenty seventeen Orioles that were in contention every year, right? They made those trades based on like they would have been competitive in twenty twenty one, right? That, that, they made those trades like that because a guy like Yusniel Diaz would have been like twenty five this year if he had you know panned out, right? Right. So you look at, um, I just completely lost my train of thought. Well, we're talking about <laughs> we're still talking about the trades. Oh, 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 oh right, right. But so. The, the rebuild started in earnest in 2019, but yeah. you were bad in 2017. Yep. You were abysmal in 2018. Yep. You're terrible in 2019. <laughs> 2020, the 25 and 35. Anomaly. They, they were... Anomaly. Well, it's not an anomaly. Because, uh. because let's look at this. They were... They weren't eliminated from the postseason contention to the last week of the season, to the last five Correct, games. Correct, yeah. Right? They finished 25 and 35. Yeah. They started that season 12 and 8. Mm-hmm. This year, they started 15 and 16 had a nice little run to start the year, and then they fell apart. That team last year, over 162 games, would have lost 105 to 110 games. You're right. They, 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 they just start quicker than they, 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 they end They've up. been starting yeah. quicker the last two years. They would have lost over 100 games last year. Um, this year, you're going to lose 110 games. You look at this team, and while the rebuild's only been going on since 2019, they've been losing for five years. And they're going to lose more than they win next year. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but when you have Grayson Rodriguez, who's going to be on the roster, when you have Adley Rutschman, who's going to be on the roster, when you have Kyle Stowers, who's going to be on the roster, this team, there's an influx of talent coming through the farm system that's going to make their way to the major leagues. At some point next year, I believe you're going to see Jordan Westberg. Yeah. Oh, I, oh yeah. Definitely. I, I, I definitely. believe, <coughs> if not next year, then. By opening day 2023, you're going to see Gunnar Henderson. Uh, yeah, Gunnar getting promoted to Bowie. We, I, I don't believe we've covered this yet. Maybe we have. but We, we covered it a little, a little bit. bit last show. See, that to me tells me Mike Elias is trying to expedite this thing as much as possible. Gunnar Henderson, for being honest, he, he did really well at the end of his t- uh, of his tenure at Aberdeen, but he wasn't amazing there. He, he The numbers are fine. They're not incredible. But he got promoted based on batting 280 over like the final month. Exactly. Right? That's, that's then, what I'm saying. And then he so, got to Bowie, and he's played okay. He's played okay so uh, far, he yeah. Had a, he had a homer in this championship yep, oppo, series. Oppo. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, and it used to be Mike Elias would say, I want our top prospects to spend a year at each level. And then you see Kyle Sowers promoted through three different levels. Jordan Westberg, Gunnar right. Henderson, three right. different levels. It's because I think Michael Elias has realized this is taking a really long time and we're not even close. So let's try to expedite this thing if we can. Let's get I the don't guys. Think, no, I don't think he operates that way. You don't think? I do. No, see, I, I, I do. I, I do. I don't think he's rushing his guys. I don't think not that that's rushing, his... but if they're if they're ready and he thinks that they have performed to the best of their ability, then that's when he promotes them. I don't think he views it as rushing. Well, and there's something to be said for the analytics, the hard hot, mm-hmm. hard hit content that they look at, and maybe they're seeing guys. Like Henderson, 
maybe they hit the ball really hard and hitting some bad luck. You know what I mean? Maybe they yeah, yeah. maybe they're seeing, yeah, he's batting 218, but his batting average on balls in play is it is really low because he's hit a hard line drive right, right at the shortstop. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So we don't really know how that works, but I'm looking at what this team is doing behind the scenes, looking at all these little signs here to here there and everywhere that are saying, "Hey, this team is turning their focus towards a major league roster as soon as 2022. They are. I, I, I really think they are. Michael Elias is making hints at that. I will say, though, on the comments about Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez possibly making the, the opening day roster, I doubt it. I, I would put a very high percentage chance that it doesn't happen because there really there, there really isn't a lot of reason for the Orioles to do it. You look at you know they they can keep him down for a, about a month and you know they can go I past see, that. I, super I, I don't agree with you on that. I I do not agree with you on that because if your players like Adley Rutschman and Grayson mm-hmm. Rodriguez are the players that you think they are, mm-hmm. they're not getting to arbitration. They're getting you're extended. Gonna buy, oh yeah, okay. you're going to buy out their arbitration years. You're going to extend them. And Adley, if he gets that extra year, he's a 30 year old catcher. To me, the Orioles though do not have a history of large extensions. And the, you know that it, even though it's Mike Elias, it's still the Angelos family. It's still the same ones giving out these these extensions. So, uh, and that's not saying I'm not saying that's what I would Chris do. Chris Davis got six years, got seven he years, one hundred sixty-one million dollars. Adam and, Jones got but, six years, eighty-five. But million. how afraid? How afraid are they? Are they going to be after signing that Chris it, Davis it, extension? Then, then get out of the business. Then get fair, out of the business fair. because you can't operate like that. So I'm not Peter I'm, Peter Angelos. Mm-hmm. Op, you'd like to think. That the sons learn from the father's I, mistakes. Yes, yes. Because yeah. Peter Angelos signed Albert Bell to a huge contract, mm-hmm. and it really did not work out. No. He signed uh, Scott Erickson to a five-year contract that definitely didn't work out. Yeah. Signs Brian Roberts, a four-year, $40 million contract. He plays in less than half the games mm-hmm. over those four years. He ran this team scared. He ran this team scared, but there's also the argument to be said that he would go out then and he— he did what Buster only wants this team to do. And <laughs> can you do me a favor? And can you text in? And we're running a little long yeah, here with the sure intro, can. and we're going to get him in just a second. But he he did what Buster only wanted, trading for Sammy Sosa, going out and getting Miguel Tejada, Javi Lopez, and Rafael Palmero prior to the 2004 season. He did what Buster only wanted to do, and it showed in the standings because the Orioles were, were not were – they, they were bad. But they weren't bad enough that you were like – this is the worst team I've ever seen. Big payroll does not always equate to wins. And speaking of Buster only, he's back at it again. He's back. With, with another he's tweet. Back. With another tweet saying that the first person to buy season tickets for the Orioles uh, for 2022 will have spent more money on the 2022 Orioles than the Orioles themselves. Buster, just go go away. Like, like for, just go away. Yeah. I, like, he does this for <laughs> clicks. He does. He, he he's such he's like he's getting into that Stephen A. Smith category where you just say what you 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 Who know. Who do they both work for? Yeah, that's ESPN. true. ESPN. That's true. They, it, it, they, it's. I didn't even think about that. It's it, true. This it, Skip Bayless was known for this too. Yeah. You know now Skip Bayless has his own show and it, it, it gets clicks. It gets viewership. It gets people right. like you and me talking about this. He loves this. I'm sure he's. Uh, it, uh, he loves uh, that we're talking about him right now. Yeah. If if he's tuning cool. into the bat around, he's got a he's <laughs> got a grin from ear to ear because we're talking about exactly, him exactly on our yeah. show. Yeah. It's um. And he really doesn't deserve to be talked about. Yeah. But the comments that he, he's making are simply. Pointless. Listen, he, Buster Olney, the point he tried to make, he basically said the Orioles are, are going in to 2022 with zero dollars on their payroll. But 
first of all, Buster, you can't field a team with zero dollars. Like it, it's not going to end up that way. I hope he realizes that, right? Like it's right. not it's not like the Orioles are not going to pay at least five hundred and forty thousand dollars to each player because that's around the minimum salary. They have to do that. You can't go in with a zero payroll. So that just makes the tweet pointless. Number one, right? They're going to pay guys in arbitration. They're probably going to give a guy like Trey Mancini seven or eight million dollars wherever he falls on that scale. It's pointless to me to to say oh they they have a zero payroll because they they won't they won't that's not how the, that's not how this works they, the, the, you can't the, go in with a zero payroll that, yeah, what like and, and, and we, it's so weird we, like, we it, know this right, you know what it, i mean but it's his his point is that the Orioles are tanking they're not trying Blah blah freaking blah. What what else is new, Buster? We know, we know this. This yeah. is this is not new to Orioles fans. We but it we, was we okay. understand. It was okay when the Astros did it. Sure. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? It was it was, it was, it was fine. Look, we gotta we gotta get Stan on the line. Mm-hmm. Um it's just it, the it, fact that we even have to pay him attention. It's a really tired argument, and it's a really tired thing that he's he's putting out there and, and he, look, he's getting the attention for it. So he won. Buster only you won. You got you know you got us to talk about uh, you know you got us to talk about your tweets on our show. You got hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands of quote tweets of people confused at what your tweet even meant. But hey, that's that's what he wanted. If you're confused, I mean, whatever. Like, <laughs> it, like it just like, the tweet made no sense. It, it really didn't. It, it it made no sense. You it was just him trying to trying, trying to further his point that the Orioles aren't trying. Right. But, but right. The, the, oh, by the way. He used Madison Bumgarner signing with the D-backs. No, as I a, saw that. Madison Bumgarner has a 5.02 ERA as a D-back. Yeah, that's not good, guys. Like that's that's not they, they signed Buell, eighty-five million dollar deal, and you're telling me that's a good thing? That when, was a when, smart when, move by the when D-backs. He was clearly done in San Francisco. Clearly, he was it, terrible. He was he was terrible. He was clearly, and he's horrible he has, now. He hasn't been good in three no, or four years. No, he and he really, and he hasn't he, and he hasn't managed to stay healthy except for no. Has, has he been healthy this year? Right. So so good job, D-backs. You spent money, and now you have the same record. It as the really Orioles. sounds like you're saying D-bags. Which D-backs. D-backs. Diamond. Got to really. Got to really. The diamond backs. Got to get that C right, in there. We got to call Stan. We do. Get, let's get Stan on the line. But the, the whole thing is really, Buster, keep that energy, bro. Keep that same energy in a couple of years when the Orioles are back in contention, one of the better teams in baseball. Because it's, look, there's no guarantee. I'm not guaranteeing that the Orioles are going to be one of the best teams in baseball by 2024, 2025. But I believe that they will be. I believe that they will be. You look at the at the farm system. You look at the talent that's coming through. And you look at look. I fully believe that Mike Elias and this and this front office will spend money on this major league roster and good money on this major league roster when the time comes for them to to do so. To, when adding to the major league roster and spe- spending big money and acquiring veteran veteran free agents and through and veterans through trades when it's appropriate and it could be appropriate sooner than later you look at the 2012 to 2016 2017 Orioles and they had a payroll in the middle of the pack they were spending 160 million dollars on their roster it's the, the fact that people think that the Orioles aren't going to spend money when it's time to spend money you're not paying attention you know you you're just not so it I know that we've been we've been stressing patience and we've been telling everybody trust the process. That process is playing out right before your eyes. And yeah, the Orioles have been bad this year, but they're getting better. Maybe not on the field, maybe not the results on the field right now, but you look at guys, 
like Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle and John Means, and then you have Adley coming next year, Grayson and, and Kyle Stowers. <clears throat> Excuse me. You look at these guys, there's talent coming. The team's going to get better. They're getting better. All you have to do is look at the minor league system. You know, and, and that's, I, I don't know what else to tell you. They're going to spend money. They're going to be better. Guys like Buster Olney who, and John Heyman who are saying the deal worlds are bad for baseball. You're bad for baseball. You know what I mean? Like, it, it keep the same energy two to three years from now when the Orioles are good again. Because I don't want to hear you jumping on the bandwagon talking about how good this team is and how they're so, they're so talented. Because you weren't here, you weren't ready, willing to ride with it when they were this bad. So, hey, look, Zach, what's going on? Um, so, just, just hang. Gonna up. hang up this phone. Yeah. So Stan got on. He said, "I, I called him three times. He answered the third time, and he said, give me sixty seconds.' So I don't know. I'm okay. Not, well, I'm well, not entirely sure. Okay. Well, y- I'm not entirely. So I was just kind of sitting there waiting. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Let's, we'll see. Let's if he, we'll see if he calls back. He'll call back. Yeah. He's we'll gonna see if he, call we'll back. We'll see if he calls back. And when he does, we'll get him on. We're gonna have to severely shorten his segment. Yeah. Yeah. Um. In the meantime. Let's start sounding off a little bit. Okay, let's do it. Um, it's no secret on the show. I've talked about it before. I love Juan Soto. Juan Soto is my favorite player in baseball, um, and definitely my favorite player is not an Oriole. Um, so I, I've, I said at the beginning of the year, I, I went on my own podcast, my personal one, and I said that Juan Soto is the best player in baseball. I agree. And people went after me. Like People are like, oh my God, have you seen Mike Trout? And I'm like, yes, I've seen Mike Trout. But Mike Trout, for 10 by, years. By the way, just bar- just missed basically the entire season. He's out for the year. He's done. Yeah. Um, Juan Soto is the best player in baseball. He's not only an incredible hitter, he's an incredible fielder. The guy's not fast. He really isn't. But if you look at his outs above average, he's like the 90th percentile. He's an incredible fielder. The guy gets incredible jumps on the ball. He does everything well. He does. Ev- he's a five-tool player at, to the max. He is. You just say he's not that fast. He's not that fast, but the guy the guy does well. He he's able to he's able to get move around in the outfield, which is which makes it a tool for him. He he does he somehow isn't that fast, but he makes it work. The guy is to me is is a five tool talent. He's not that fast, but he makes it work. If that makes any sense at all, he had it, it works. His outfield jump is like in the hundredth percentile. You go on his baseball savant page, savant baseball savant. I don't know how savant. to say, say the word, but anyway, everything. Is in like the Did 80s. you just tell me to say the word? No, I said I don't know how to say the uh, word. I thought you said say the but word. But anything, anything from around 85 to 100th percentile, Juan Soto was there. He's basically in the red, which is base, as, as good as you can get in almost every category. We, if we look across Juan Soto's year, um, players with 30-plus hits, 25-plus walks, five or fewer strikeouts, and a 20-game stretch. Mel Ott, Charlie Keller, Ted Williams, most recently Juan Soto. This is just that's a perfect example of how good this guy's been. In the month of September, which is just ridiculous, Soto's hitting 473. He's got a 608 on base percentage, an 838 slugging percentage. This is the month of September. It is September 25th. This is a large sample size of numbers in September. 35 hits, 26 walks, 7 home runs, and two uh and two stolen bases. He is 7.3 war this year. This guy had between 20 And he missed time. Didn't he miss and he, time? he missed time. Um, and he started off the year badly. He did not have a good start to the year. Badly for him. Badly for him, right. If you look at his 2020 numbers, they were they were definitely a lot better. Um, but between 2020 and 2021, he has 171 walks and only 112 strikeouts with an 1,053 OPS. Does he, have, he has like 125 walks this year. Yes, yes. Walked four times um, last night and scored three I runs. believe he's at like 137 walks now, which is oh, wow. 
insane. Yeah, I believe he broke a national record, nationals record. Um, the guy is the best player in baseball. He's better than what Bryce Harper's done. He is almost two more. Oh, there's, there's no he, question. He's better than Bryce. And he's Harper. not. He's not going to win MVP because the system that the team has to be good. Uh, Stan wants me to call him back, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go try to grab him again, and we'll see we'll see that if it works out. You can talk about one zone. All right. Well, the reason that the that the Nationals were okay with letting Bryce Harper go is because of Juan Soto. Juan Soto is... I, I, I picked him to be National League MVP this year. He's the best hitter in baseball. He's got the best eye in baseball. He and Bryce Harper are, are, are up there amongst the best batter's eyes in, in all of baseball. Zach's whole point while is that he believes that Juan Soto should be the National League MVP. And the numbers are there. The numbers are there. However, his team's bad. His team is not good. The Nationals underachieved the first half of the year. They sold at the deadline, and they're a last-place team. Juan Soto's 7.2 war makes the Nationals a fourth-place team instead of a fifth-place team. Bryce Harper, who is your likely MVP despite the fact that the Phillies may not make the playoffs, his 5.5 war is the difference between a playoff race and a subpar season for the Phillies, who are honestly having a subpar season anyway. But the fact that they're in playoff contention at this point is solely because of Bryce Harper. He's put the team on his back. And that's why Bryce Harper's going to win the MVP. It's why Juan Soto's going to finish top three, but he's not going to be the MVP. If the Nationals were a wild card team, if they were leading the division, Juan Soto is unequivocally your MVP of the National League. But right now... He's not. He'd have to have a thirty war in one season, which is impossible for the national for him for the Nationals to be a relevant team. And it, it's there's been there has been MVPs that were on a last place team in the past. Mm-hmm. You look at Cal Ripken, MVP in nineteen ninety one. There you go. He it was an eleven win season. That was that was he was an eleven win player, and yeah. it's the greatest yeah. his the greatest season by a shortstop in the history of the game. When you transcend the game like that, you have the greatest season in the history of the game at that pos- at, at your position, you're the MVP. Juan mm-hmm. Soto's having a great year. Mm-hmm. He's having a great year. He is never going to sniff what Barry Bonds did from 2001 to 2007. No, no. Barry Bonds one season had his... I'm trying to... He had more... Base hits. He got on base more than he had uh, at bats. Yeah, he got yeah. on base more than he and had. Intentionally at-bats. walked like seventy-five times. Yeah, or he, had, something he had like two hundred and fifty like walks. Yeah, yeah. In, in a season. Yeah, nobody's getting close to that again. No, right? Juan Soto, great player. He really MVP is. caliber player. Sure, is he the best player in baseball? Yeah, you bet your sweet ass he is. Yeah, he's not the MVP this year because his team's bad. Right, and that's not a discredit to him. It's a discredit to what happened in Washington this year. Yeah, they they didn't really load up. They got a, they had a lot of veterans on that team. They had a lot of older players that they tried to run with. It just didn't work. They just didn't. They didn't have a team built with with good young players. And the Nationals farm system, they've kind of ignored it for years and years. Um, and it really came to be one of the worst farm systems in baseball. I think they were ranked thirtieth by about every major publication. They went out this year. They revitalized it. This farm system now for the Nats, pretty good. You know, they've got guys like. I wouldn't say it's pretty good. I would say that the top end has some really good players now. The depth is, is t- still they, terrible. They, they, they have a lot of work they, to do they there. They said that there was a team, and, I, and it's, I'm pretty sure it's the Fredericksburg Nationals, mm-hmm. where n- yeah, numerous they, they scouts were awful. Sa- said, 
there's not a prospect on that team. That that is correct. Yeah, that, there there were some some horrible players, but at the deadline, they they actually got a pretty good top end of guys like Kiebert Ruiz, Josiah Gray, who's been pretty good as a national so far, and then guys like Brady House, who they drafted, um, you know, with with one of the top picks in the MLB draft. And look, they you know. They loaded up at the top end. They have a lot of work to do with depth, a lot of work to do there. But the Nats put, could jump up a few uh, a few spots in in the preseason farm rankings that come out in a few months, and uh, we could see them, you know, maybe in top ten in two years. I don't know. Well, and, and here's the thing about the Nationals, right? They're always good. They're they're not going to rebuild. This is not. A, we're going to call it with Stan. Okay. We're we're gonna call. Text him okay. and, and let him know that we just we have a guest coming up in fifteen minutes. And we okay. just we just don't have the time to talk to him at this point. I'm not entirely sure what happened, but yeah, uh, just, just couldn't just couldn't reach him this morning. Yeah, just just let him know that we, we that we're gonna we're gonna skip it this week and we'll talk with him next week. And that you know we're sorry that it couldn't work out, but we're gonna hit the points that we we're gonna talk with Stan about anyway. Um, we'll get to that, but the Nationals, maybe not. There he is. There he is. All there right. There he is. Hey, the, the, so anyway, the the Nationals they have ownership that's gonna that's gonna spend money, um, and let, let look let's just get Stan right on now because we're we we're, we're really short on time with Stan today. Stan, how are you this morning? Good, good. What's going on? Not too much. What was what was going on on your end? Was there some phone difficulties or what, what's happening there? Uh, I do do not know. I said I was ready, and then somehow the phone hung up. Zach was. We were getting to a dead air point. No big deal. No big deal. We're happy to finally get you on here. Um, real, okay. Real, real quick. So that here, Stan. Zach was talking about how he thinks Juan Soto should be the National League MVP because he's the best player in the world. I agree with him. He's the best baseball player in the world right now. However, Juan Soto's team, the Nationals, they're terrible. And his seven point two yep. WAR that doesn't make them a playoff team. It makes them uh, without him. It's it's the difference between being a fifth place team and a fourth place team. Is basically what even with Juan Soto, the Nationals are a last place team. Whereas you look at Bryce Harper, without Bryce Harper's five and a half WAR, the Phillies aren't even sniffing the playoffs. And and that's why Bryce Harper is going to be the MVP this year. Whereas, in my opinion, Juan Soto will be top three. Maybe he is the MVP, but not this year. Well, I've always felt that uh, there needed to be two awards. You know, the most valuable player in the league is is Bryce Harper. But what is he, you know, so with his incredible season, what are they, four games over 500? I think they're they're two games. Yeah, they're not. They've really struggled. Yeah, so, I mean, the Phillies are are not a very good team either. They're most likely only going to make it if Atlanta collapses, which is quite capable of happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, the best player in the league this year has been Juan Soto, and that's why I think there needs to be a separate award, you know, for best and most valuable player. Yes, something... I felt something... that a long time. I mean, Count Ripken's, Count Ripken's second MVP was kind of meaningless, too, you know. Well, and that's what we just... That's what I was just saying to Zach, that... Cal Ripken in 1991, the Orioles were a last-place team, but Ripken right. put up the best season in the history of the position. Uh, he had an 11-win season. And when, when your season transcends the game, that, that's when you're the MVP despite your team having a terrible record. Juan Soto, for everything he's doing, this has been done before, and pretty recently. It's, he's having a great year. He is the best player in the game. He is 
the most he is the best player and should be the most valuable player. But when your team's not good, you're not going to get that recognition. Which I just I, I feel that's not fair. But that's the way the system. It's not works. fair, but but it's the way the system works. M- most valuable. He's a difference between last place and last place. Yeah, you know, you're right. Now look, I was five years old when Ernie Banks won the first of his back-to-back MVPs, and the Cubs were in last place both seasons, and he won back-to-back MVPs. Yeah, it, it, it has vastly different, vastly different kind of criteria back yeah, then. Definitely, uh, you know. So yeah. Now, um, Brendan Hyde, uh, it was announced that he signed an extension. Uh, that at least goes through next season, Stan. We we pretty much knew this was coming. It was more so though that we thought that he had a three year deal with an option that was picked up. But it's told that it's been said that he signed an extension. How are you feeling about this extension? Is this you've said that you want Brandon? I haven't. To stay. I haven't really read anything about it. I heard, I heard it mentioned. I think Thursday night on the post game press conference. Is is it just an extension of one year? That Brandon Hyde would not allude to. He would not talk about it. He said he wouldn't comment on it, but that he's happy to be back next season. Right, right. So, um, you know, I think it is what it is. I mean, I guess they're, it, it's sort of a backhanded extension in that case. You know, it's like, yeah, we know we gave you a, a pretty, pretty poor product to deal with. We like how you're dealing with it, uh, but we want to reserve the right to see who's available next year. So, with that in mind, if they're giving him the extra year, uh, with the Chris Davis retirement, and then Michael Elias saying a couple of months ago, we could start spending as soon as this offseason. And then with the comments last night that Grayson Rodri- that, they're, that they're open to the idea of Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman starting the year on opening day on the Major mm-hmm. League roster. I feel like there's little signs here and there, Stan, that say that maybe the Orioles will spend a little bit more or maybe make some savvy trades this offseason that nobody really sees coming. Do you think that there are signs for that, or you still think it's going to be a, a lot of doom and gloom next year? I don't quite know what, how you would read that they're going to make some savvy trades. I mean, how how would you how would you be able to see that right I'm, now? I'm, I'm not saying that. I, that I, I, said, I said little signs. It's not a big neon right. marquee that's telling me, right. hey, we're going to do this. Just, just little hints right. over little, and over that Mike Elias comes on the, the air and says one thing or another, and it kind of makes well, you I, feel... Well, I think it's pretty clear they, they've got to do something not just to win ball games. You know, they really have a dual... Purpose it seems like next year to me is to win ball games and to win fans, you know. And currently, what they're putting out there now does not, by any way, shape, or form, uh, serve the purpose of winning fans back over. Right. Yeah. Now, now, do you yeah. look at this as more so then? So, like this year, the Orioles didn't spend any money basically on free agent pitching going into 2021. Um, and they were really banking on their rookies taking a step forward as far as their, their starting rotation. So is this more so, hey, we're trying to get the fans back. You could see Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman, but not much else in 2022. Do you think that that's more so what this is? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I, I haven't sat with Michael Elias in, in a couple of years. I, I don't really haven't really got the ability to, to foresee exactly how he's thinking now. Fair it's enough. quite clear that they've done a very good job at padding the organization with a lot of good prospects. But how that's going to translate in 2022, 
Uh, I mean, I don't think they just suddenly win because of Grayson Rodriguez right, right. and Adley Rutschman next year. You know, and I think bringing Grayson Rodriguez to the major leagues—I won't call it a major mistake. I don't think. I don't think they should do that next year. Well, so. I don't think that that. I mean, when when he had a pitch uh, a pitch count limit of eighty five this year, he barely got yeah. over a hundred innings this year. I don't think that you can ramp him up to be in a starting rotation from start to finish for the Baltimore Orioles next year. I think that you'll see him pitch a month or two at AAA, dominate, and then he'll get here to finish out the season. Uh, and they're going to limit him again. He'll have five-inning starts. Uh, maybe the occasional six-inning start of his pitch count is down um, at Norfolk. But you're absolutely right, Stan. Bringing him up to start the year next year, it, it's, an, it's nice to say to the fans but I don't see it as being the 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 smart it's move. Not to the cor- it's not the correct thing to do next year, right. and I think you're sort of on the pace I'm on. I would see him pitching 60, 70 innings at at uh, Tidewater next year, and then hopefully he's capable of pitching another sixty or seventy innings. Yeah. at the major league level, we can year. we can all agree that he'll be in the majors next year. I just don't yeah. think it should be the start of the year. Now, um, yep. some guys who could be here to start the year next year: Keegan Aiken and Mike Bowman. I did a guest spot on a podcast the other day, and I was asked about these guys. Aiken doesn't have to ha- doesn't appear to have elite stuff, Stan, but he has a four four six ERA over his last eight outings, which isn't great. But it, on this pitching staff, it, it is. Um, and now and now done for the year. Unfortunately. And, and now done for the year with core surgery. How do you think the Orioles view guys like Keegan Aiken and Mike Bauman, who really only has two pitches? How are they viewed by the Orioles moving forward? I'm I'm not entirely sure. You know, the the, the danger again. Uh, I've I've been around baseball in the media for 40 years, and I would say I really learned a pretty significant lesson under Buck Showalter is to be wary of making judgments on players in spring training and in September. And uh, I would say I would say that Keegan Aiken showed a, a lot of moxie and somehow to be able to, to, to cobble together those performances was impressive. And I get the fact that a couple of them were against, you know, the Yankees or Toronto, so good teams. I'm just wary of guys that do it then, but on a Tuesday in June are going to go two and a third and give up seven runs, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, now. I, I don't know exactly how you measure what he did from April until, like, mid-August and then say, well, that really wasn't Keegan Aiken. This is Keegan Aiken. Yeah, you, you, you can't you know, and that's the kind of that's the kind of wager you have next year. Uh, before you go out and and spend some decent money on really major league pitching. Well, yeah, and, and there's the old adage: "Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me." If the Orioles yeah. move into the, into next spring, thinking Keegan Aiken's a part of this rotation like they did this year, they're to me they're 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 setting themselves up for failure. Which yeah, I don't think he can be counted on. Yeah, I think it's encouraging. And that's great, and you'll have a lot of depth in the organization if you go out and sign two veterans, uh, starting pitchers, and then suddenly you've got Keegan Aiken still looking good in spring training. That's that's a, a good problem to have, you know. Yeah. Clearly, the way they've been running the pitching staff 
they haven't done it right. Okay. Yeah. Because the pitching on this team for three years has been horse bleep. You know, it really has been. Yeah. Been, yeah. been an insult. Now, Stan, the Orioles have had a black hole at third base all year. Uh, Calvin Gutierrez has come in and he stabilized the defense. The glove has been really good. He's been really good defensively. He can't hit. He's hitting, what, 207 uh, at the major league level. Moving into next year, what are the Orioles going to do at third base? Is it going to be Gutierrez because of the, the, the defense behind a young pitching staff? Uh, you're not sign, signing Chris Bryant. Eduardo Escobar probably priced himself out of Baltimore. What are the Orioles going to do with third base? That's a darn good question, and uh, I don't think I'm going to give you a, a very satisfying answer today. Uh, if you're adding Rutschman to the offense, and you can believe that Hayes will be sort of what he's been, and Satander is what he is, you know, they, they again, with the position players, they've got tricky problems. It's, it's a nice story that Austin Hayes has put together, but again, he's put it together from basically mid-August till the end of the season. Which is what he know. does every year. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't even say he's done close to what he's done this year. Right. Uh, aside from murdering me in fantasy baseball <laughs> uh, by, by driving in 38 runs and hitting 13 home runs since I traded him. 2.9 uh, more player now. Excited What's that? He's a two point nine more player now, so really, yeah, that's you know. Three, I mean, he's put up a remarkable uh, yeah. six six weeks, you know. Uh, but again, the point of the question is about third base, and Gutierrez is a very good defender, terrible uh, offensive player. Yeah, but you know, well, well, uh, so I don't know what you do. They're clearly not going to go out and spend. A gigantic sum of money on a third on a third baseman. Yeah, they're, they're maybe not, they're, you can get a veteran. Maybe you can get a veteran infielder that can play some third that can give you respectable offense, and you keep Gutierrez around. You know, as a backup player and a defensive replacement late in the game. Maybe, maybe that's what they do. Maybe, and, and maybe, maybe they, they end up saying what you said earlier: "We'll just go with defense this year at a key position like that." Yeah, I think that there's going to be a lot of emphasis on defense next year, and maybe that's where Gutierrez fits in uh, as a def- yeah. as a defensive player because you have such a young pitching staff. Stan, I'd love to talk to you more. We are up against. We have Paul Fritschner coming in right. a matter of minutes. Paul, so um, see you next week, guys. Absolutely. Have sorry for the week. difficulties. Have a great weekend. That's all right. Bye-bye. That was Stan the Fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment. Next next week, hopefully, we don't have the same difficulty so that we can have a longer conversation. I had a ton of questions for Stan. It's, uh-huh. cr- it's crazy because Zach commented uh, at the be- before the show started that this was the longest list of questions I've ever yeah, had for it Stan. Was quite and then, long. sure enough, it's the one time we get him for 10 minutes. Yeah, you know, uh, next time, next time. Next time. Anyway, so Stan the Fan Charles has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley uh, visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sport. This week, Stan and Ross went over the late stages of the baseball season while Stan also called up with Orioles basketball coach Tavares Hardy. Find it under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. Coming up this Monday night, Stan and Ross will have their rescheduled chat with baseball legend Bill the Spaceman Lee. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at c3america.com. 
www.cosmoscenterpromotions.com and call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home. Insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797. That's 410-401-9797. Or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Before we get a break, hey, Zach, do me, give me your best uh, car salesman pitch and try and sell me a RAV4. I will do so. Uh, make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out biotoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We're going to get a break. Sold. That first sip. <sighs> that first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443 443- 840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Rolls, slam dunk pretzels and apple cobbler all of these meals pair well with their many oktoberfest beers and angry orchard on draft dine on their patios or in their dining room or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home glory days grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years thank you fans if it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, so. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is Jake. K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Dickie V. Dick Vitale. Kyle is too tight for dandy. He is Mr. Kyle Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio.
Welcome back to the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. Joining me as always is my incomparable co-host, Zach Goodman, who was at the Ravens game on Sunday night, I watching was. them beat I the was. Chiefs for the first time in the Glorious. Lamar Jackson era. That stadium was rocking. Just remember, every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. But now, joining us, play-by-play man for the Bowie Bay Sox, we have Paul Fritschner on the line. Paul, how are you this morning? Well, Paul, that was a very intimidating list of guests that you just go, you know, from Cal Ripken and all of them, and then all <laughs> no, of a sudden it's, it's Paul Fritsch. Not our not. show. <laughs> not our show, fortunately. Uh, well, you know, so, it's... Well, uh, well, well, oh, go ahead. No, the, the, Glenn, Glenn gets everybody. He does. He gets everybody. The, there's not a person in the world of sports that Glenn doesn't have in his Rolodex. It's actually pretty impressive. Paul, you've been on Glenn's show, right? I've been... Oh, I thought you were talking about yeah. other Paul. Other Paul, yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's incredible. You guys do a great job. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're not to Glenn Clark level yet, but we're on our way. Uh, Paul, <laughs> Bowie just played in their second consecutive Northeast Championship Series, falling just short again for a double-A title. Tell us about the experience of calling Bowie Bay Sox games this year. Well, this year, it was great. Adam and I talked about it a lot. Night. There were so many prospects that came through. There was so much of an ability this year to connect with fans that really cared and wanted to listen to such a great group of guys that are going to be the next wave of talent at the major league level. You look at Adam and I talked a lot about how this year with Bowie, there were really three lineups, three teams that came through. You had the opening day lineup where you had guys like Rutschman, you had Robert Newstrom in there, you had Zach Jarrett in there, J.C. Ascara, all them. They gradually all trickled up to the AAA level. Then you had a next wave of guys from Aberdeen, guys that went up, guys like Kyle Stowers. And then you had this last wave here, this team at the end that likely is you know, probably going to be the team that you start off with next year in Bowie, guys like Jordan Westberg, Andrew Dashbach, Gunnar Henson, all of them that finished the year out with Bowie. And it didn't matter what team was playing. It didn't matter what guys were running out there. Everybody that slotted into this team adjusted to the AA level. They all performed so well. And you can see that by the record. It's the best regular season winning percentage in Bowie Bay Sox history. And that's a testament to you know the team. It's a testament to the players. It's a testament to Mike Elias for putting this kind of an organization together all the way around that no matter what player came up from Aberdeen or got spotted into the team this year, it didn't matter. They all performed at a rate good enough to get them into the championship series. And yeah, they came up a little short. Akron had Bowie's number all year long. Um, but it is what it is. And, and they played well. They just couldn't get it done in the end. Well, yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned all those promotions and how they basically had three different teams this year because this is what happens in minor league baseball, right, Paul? You, you, you have guys who are at that level and they play well, and they get promoted. And then you get the next wave, and they play well, and they get promoted. We get that, and we're happy for those players. But how difficult do those promotions make it to have a championship run, to have sustained success, which the Bowie Bay Sox were able to do this year? How difficult do the promotions make that? Well, it certainly it, it was like a little bit of a setback you know, for a week or two at a time. I, I remember when there was the first big wave of Aberdeen promotions in the beginning of June, when you had you know, the, the Grayson Rodriguez promotion, Blaine Knight, Johnny Riser, that whole wave that came up. 
you know, and it takes a week or two. They had a great couple of weeks, actually, on that road trip. They came up on a two-week road trip. I think I can't remember how many wins they got over those 12 games, but it was a lot, I'll tell you that. Um, and then they came home, and they sputtered. And Bowie lost four series in a row after winning every series to that point. I think it was six or seven series to start the season. Yeah. And then they lost four in a row, and you could tell that was really the only lull in the season that Bowie hit. And guess what? It was against Akron. It was a home series against Akron that started with Grayson Rodriguez's first home start. That was the gas can night. That Bowie lost that game, and then from there lost the series to Akron, lost the series to New Hampshire, went back to Akron, lost that series, then lost the series to Richmond right after that. So it was four in a row that Bowie lost, and from there the rest of the season, that was the second week of July, they only lost one series the rest of the way, and that was the Somerset two weeks ago. So, you know, I mean, it, it made it a little difficult because you could tell. I remember Kyle Sowers, which is really funny to look back on and think about now considering how well he's playing. But those first two weeks for Kyle Stowers were pretty brutal at double A. I mean, he was swinging and missing at sliders like crazy. He was taking these huge swings, and he wasn't hitting. He wasn't making a ton of contact. And we're sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, what, a, you know, what are we doing here? And then after about a week or two, all of a sudden he turns into the Kyle Stowers that now has continued through the rest of the season. I mean, that guy has had a season to remember. And he just had like a two-week lull when he came up to the double A level. And... You know, it wasn't just Kyle. There were a bunch, of, and and that's not a knock on those guys. It, you know, it it shows how hard the double A level is to play at. I mean, Adam has talked so much about how high A to double A is the biggest jump in baseball, and it it was exemplified this year. But it didn't take that long. You look at Jordan Westberg and how much he struggled in the first uh, probably week, week and a half. And I remember asking Jordan probably after two weeks of him being here with Bowie, I asked him, I said, man, it, you know, are you feeling okay? Like he, he just, he was doing the same kind of thing like Kyle Stowers, where it was just a lot of swings and misses and he just didn't look comfortable. And he, he straight up told me, he goes, man, I, I just, I am not comfortable right now. I, I just don't feel very good at the plate. Like I got to go into my batting practice routine differently. And then what do you know? Same thing as everybody else after that week and a half or so at double-A. He goes on an eight-game hitting streak, and at the top of the lineup, he's the reason who he really had a surge there the last three weeks. So it, it was really fun to watch uh, all these guys perform. Yeah, it's um you you mentioned guys like Jordan Westbrook. You mentioned Kyle Stowers, and you, uh, Jordan Westbrook. There's a possibility that he could be here as early as midseason next year, uh, based on the way that he's performed at every level. Kyle Stowers. We actually had Kyle on this show last week. Really great kid, and we were talking with him. He's had maybe the best season of anybody in the entire uh, farm yeah, system. He has. He has. What he's done this year has been absolutely incredible. What's it like to call games where you have guys who are clearly top-level talent uh, playing day in and day out? Well, for one, you just you kind of never know what you're going to get in the sense of anything could happen on that day. I mean, I, I remember Kyle Stowers had multiple uh, – multi-home run games and just you know showing up and I know it sounds generic but it really was fun this year with guys like Rutschman and Newstrom I mean, we were not in Hartford uh we were still broadcasting remotely for that home run that Kyle or that uh Newstrom hit that went 476 feet I think that made Sports Center left the yard all that I mean, the, the Orioles have placed such an emphasis on power hitting because you think okay well if you get 
a double and uh, another double or a double and a single, it's a lot easier to score a run with two hits than it is with three straight singles. And so you show up to the park, and every day you're watching these majestic home runs. And Bowie scored over 41% of their runs this year off the home run. Wow. That is an incredible number. That is a crazy number. I mean, that number really should be down in the you know low 30s maybe, and, and Bowie was up above 40. And every, every, you know, every day at the park, you come in and you're thinking, okay, how far is this ball going to go? How far is this ball going to go? And the, defensively, too, Caden Grenier was the second-best defensive shortstop in baseball, and he didn't get a ton of attention this year. He kind of struggled with the bat. Uh, his strikeout number was a little too high for his liking. Um, but defensively, Caden only made six errors all season That's long insane. as the mainstay shortstop. That is, I mean, that, that's just ridiculous. That, yeah. And to, to see the plays that he makes uh, and, and anybody else defensively, it was, it was fun. It was incredible. Paul, when you look at what Robert Newstrom did, you just mentioned him a minute ago. He was one of the better power hitters in the entire Orioles system this year. Um, there's been a lot of talk about where does he fit into this Orioles rebuild because there's so many guys that the Orioles have. They have a plethora of outfield talent. And you just drafted about two or three more and guys like John Rhodes and Reed Trimble and then, of course, Colton Kowser. Where do you think Robert Newsom fits into this rebuild? Does he have a spot on the 2022 Orioles? Well, you know, that's a good question. And I think it's tough to say does he have a spot. But, boy, he's sure going to force your hand, right, if he keeps right, playing like right. this. But defensively, he is more than capable. And offensively, look what he did this year. The guy was an RBI machine. That's what I kept calling him. It, it didn't matter. And the, and the thing with Newstrom was he hit in that, like, seven, six, seven, eight spot in the lineup to, to start the year. And he was driving in so many runs because Bowie was getting on base at such a prolific rate. Their walk rate was they walked, I think Bowie finished first in the league in walks, and I think Harrisburg was last. And Bowie finished with hundreds more walks, literally hundreds more walks than Harrisburg did. And that's because of Bowie's eye at the plate. And Newstrom would come up there with one, two, three guys on base, and you just knew he was going to find a hole. Maybe it wasn't going to be a home run, but you knew he was going to find a hole and drive in runs. And when he left the team, he was leading the team in RBIs. And he goes up to AAA, boom, what does he do? He just picks up right where he left off. So on, on the Newstrom side of things, if you're going to keep playing like that, at some point you're just going to force their hand. And long-term at the major league level, that's going to pay off. Now, is it with the Orioles? You know, who knows? Because like you said, there is just so much talent there, and there are so many guys that they're grooming to want to be everyday outfielders for the long haul. But, you know, you look at some of the guys that are on the Orioles right now that weren't the big-name prospects that have really made their names for themselves. And they found time, they found space, and now here they are contributing. And, and uh, you know, Newstrom could be one of those guys. He's not going to light up your, your, your name on the, on the prospect list anywhere. But he's sure going to, you know, like I said, force your hand at the major league level if he keeps putting up these numbers. And he's showed consistency all year to be able to do that. Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because I was watching. There's this. There was a game about a week or so ago, and the um, the tides were down. I think they were down a run. They were down like five to four in the eighth inning. Rutschman was on second base. There's two outs, and Newstrom's at the plate. And I was like, 
Newstrom's coming through. Here. He's gonna yeah, right. and, and he ripped a ball into the op into the left center field gap for a double, drove in the tying run. The, the Tides ended up winning that game, I believe. It, and it's you're absolutely right. He comes up to the plate, and you just know that he's gonna come through for this team. And that's a, that's an incredible talent. The Orioles are absolutely loaded in the outfield in this farm system. It's gonna be exciting to see who ends up being on this roster because you pick them. There, there's there's. So many guys that can impact this ball club. Now, Bowie, Paul, again, they were just playing for the, for the championship. They lost to Akron. You mentioned that Akron had their number all year. Last night, Drew Rom pitched his tail off. Five innings of shutout ball with seven strikeouts. Uh, they had a 5 nothing lead going into the eighth inning. And then the, t- the, the Bay Sox bullpen gives up six runs, four in the eighth, two in the ninth for the walk-off championship win for Akron. How devastating was that loss last night? Well, the thing that I was talking about on the air as we closed out the game was that the, the really disappointing thing to me, outside of how well Drew Ron pitched and not being able to get the win in that game, I mean, he finished the season on a 19-inning scoreless streak, mm-hmm. including five perfect innings in his start before against Altoona. The guy was untouchable um, over the month of September. Um, well, really, all year, I mean, he led the organization in wins with 11. Um, Drew had a great season. But uh, what was really, what was really tough about last night was that everything that Bowie did to get to that point let them down last season, or let them down last night. Like everything that Bowie had done so well over the last two months folded in on itself last night, and yeah. it, that was what was really tough because you know Bowie's bullpen was. Not good, to say the least, in the month of June and, and early July. But over these last two months, a lot of the relief pitchers have completely changed their seasons and turned their ERAs down south, and they have been a real benefit to Bowie. I mean, instead of in May when you would go to the bullpen with a three-run lead and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, like please just hang on. Now it was, okay, the bullpen's coming in with a two-run lead, and you're going to go to Felix Batista, or you know, he gets promoted. Then you're going to go to Dionis Almingo, and then, okay, the game's over. And you know, last night, and, and defensively, too, I mean, the errors that Bowie made last night. You know, Bowie made a, an error up the middle. Caden uh, Grenier made an error last night. And, you know, you feel so bad. My heart goes out to the guy because all year, the reason you're there is because of how well he plays in the middle infield. And you know, and he makes an error that, in essence, allows four runs to score. It was really it was two runs, but it kept the inning alive. It would have been two outs with, you know, one run in, and instead two runs score and the inning keeps going. And you know, you're just looking at everything come undone. And Almengo gives up the runs there at the end, the tying home run in the ninth, and then eventually the game-winning uh, single down the line. And you're just thinking to yourself, man, like everything that Bowie had done. And then all of a sudden it just comes unwound, and the offense had gone quiet in the week. They only had one run on one hit in game one, and they scored five runs in game two, but really four of them were in garbage time there at the end between the seventh and ninth innings. So I don't want to say that, they, you know, it's not like basketball. Like, obviously, I mean, Bowie brought the tying run to the plate uh, on Wednesday night. They had a chance. Zach Watson was at the plate. He grounded out to end the game, but he was at the plate with the tying run, or representing the tying run on Wednesday night. And then last night, Boy, to be up 5 nothing, you think, okay, Drew's pitched his tail off, and you're up, you're going to the bullpen, and then everything just 
it just fell apart, and it, you know, it was tough, but that's baseball, and credit to Akron for taking advantage of it. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes the ball bounces your way, sometimes it doesn't. It, it clearly didn't against Akron, not just in that series, but all year. Um, but look, the Bay Sox are going to be right back there next year. You look at when you look at what this starting infield could be next year. You're looking at J.D. Mundy, Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg, and Gunnar Henderson, uh, with guys like Andrew Doshbeck and Daryl Hernandez uh, getting their share of time. And then the outfield that's going to probably be Hudson Haskin, Colton Kowser, possibly Heston Kerstad. And then when those guys move up, you're going to have Connor Norby and you're going to have Kobe Mayo coming up. Uh, how excited are you? to continue this this stretch of success and get back to calling more games. I know the season just ended and you're probably ready for a break, but next year, man, there's going to be so much talent on this roster again. How exciting is that prospect for you? Oh, well, it's, it's thrilling because, like you said, there's no drop-off. And I think a name maybe that's a little underrated that you put in there was Andrew Dashbach because he was somebody who really helped Bowie out defensively because when J.C. Ascaro went up to, to AAA – but we kind of floundered a little bit without a true first baseman, and they had slotted some different guys in there. Toby Welk, Patrick Dorian, you know, Adley Rutschman played a little bit of first base, but you know, they never really had a true dig-it-out-of-the-dirt first baseman. And when Andrew got called up, having somebody there at the corner infield to shore up that defense was a huge reason why Bowie had a lot of success over the last you know month or so of the season. But to a greater point, it is, it's really exciting looking at the draft from this year, looking at the guys that have performed so well in Delmarva. You know, every day when I come in and do the game notes, I look at all the, all the box scores from the other affiliates from the night before, especially the lower affiliates, because like I said, like, you know, that, like you said, the, the guys that are going to come up. But I, I do an affiliate report every morning on the other teams and how they performed the night before. And you just look at some of these names and all the names that you mentioned that are going to probably be up with Bowie next year. You hope Joey Ortiz is healthy. I uh, hope he can get back there. You know, I, who knows what Taron Bavra's status where he might start the year. And you know, maybe they start him up at AAA or or what. But he had a disjointed year with his injuries. So all of those guys, and they're all on the young end too, right? I mean, look at Gunnar Henderson. All these guys that are so so young that are being aggressively promoted up to double a and are still playing so well and that's going to pay off in the long run for the Orioles and how much success they'll be able to have through this rebuild because they're going to get guys up at double a and you know at 20 21 22 years old instead of the average double a age of 24 they're going to be on the younger side and they're still going to be playing well and they're going to be competing right at the top of the northeast league yeah, it's it's funny because you just you mentioned some guys that I didn't mention because you almost forget about them because of how brightly all the stars shined at at uh, Bowie. But guys like Taryn Vavra and Anthony Servideo and Caden uh, Grenier and, and all these guys who we're not even thinking about because maybe the bat wasn't great or maybe they were hurt or maybe and they're going to be guys who are going to be good for this team next year. It's really exciting. It's really exciting to see all the talent here. Um, I can't wait for them to get back to it. I love minor league baseball. I followed it every single day this year. And, Paul, you did a great job calling those games, man. We really appreciate you taking some time to come on our program today. Hey, well, thank you. I, I do have one question. So sure. uh, 
you guys might know I live in Cincinnati, so I'm in the car actually right now on the way down from Akron to Cincinnati, but I've not eaten breakfast yet. Do I go to uh, Dunkin' and I do the donut route? Or do I do the all-day breakfast from McDonald's because I'm oh. starving right now? Oh, man. you got to go the all-day breakfast route. Yeah, does, does There's Mc, so much does, more variety there. Does McDonald's still have the McGriddle? Because if you yes. have to do the McGriddle, yes. if, if they have, you got to get the McGriddle and yes. the hash brown. Well, so usually, now this seems a little high maintenance, but I usually do the steak, egg, and cheese bagel. But that kind of gets a little messy when you're trying to drive and eat at the same That's time. True. And I'm thinking, okay, do I do the donut and just get an orange juice? Or do I go with the McGriddle? No, you got to go. Uh, I would get, you you, you, you got to go to McDonald's. You you, you got to get the McGriddle. The the syrup in the bun is incredible. Yes. I do have to say, uh, the goat is the steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Uh, yeah, that was my... no way. I've never met a fellow steak, egg, and cheese bagel. <laughs> that I used. So when I was never in my, had it. When never I was in it. my early twenties, we would stay. Uh, uh, you're you're obviously partying with your friends, right? And you we would stay up until four o'clock in the morning. So the breakfast would start at McDonald's, and we'd go there just to get the steak, egg, and cheese bagel <laughs> from McDonald's. I thought you were talking about the bacon egg. That, that one's pretty good. I've never had the steak. Is that the, still a thing? So it, it was a thing. It yeah, went away, I and I think they just brought it back Oh, did they recently. really? All right. The yeah, steak, they egg, did. I, I got to go get that as soon as I get out of here egg, now, well, I guess. The, the, the breakfast is over, bro. No, it's all day. I don't no, think... no, but but the steak is so premiered. They keep it exclusive. Oh. That's what they do. They oh, okay. I see. I see. I get the it. The steak, egg, and cheese bagel is the goat of breakfast sandwiches at McDonald's, and I won't hear a word against it. Okay. All oh right. my God, I love that. Just made my day that I know that somebody else eats it. And we're both <laughs> and, and we're both named Paul, man. Maybe it's a Paul thing. That's interesting. <laughs> I'll say that. All right, Paul, great talking with you, man. I can't wait to talk to you again next season. Have a great off season. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate all your work all season. We'll be talking soon. Absolutely. Take care. What a guy. What yeah, a guy. Yeah, I know. I've, I've I, never met anybody I, who likes a steak, egg, and cheese bagel I will say this. I do. I think that may be top two or three interviews we've ever had on the show. Oh, he was incredible. He's really, really good. He, 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 he is unbelievably well-spoken. Unbelievably well-spoken. And he yeah. just, I mean, he, it's it's... It's almost like talking. He, he he's clearly so interested in what he's talking about. You can just like hear the passion from him. So I I, I enjoyed that. To 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 Zach Paul Fritchner mm-hmm. is the Juan Soto. Yeah, he's the Juan Soto sports radio. There it is. Baseball yeah. broadcasters. Yeah. Hey, look, are you disappointed that sports betting isn't in place in Maryland in time for the start of football season, guys? So are we. But if you want to win some money on football, you can do it legally. And we're going to give you some free money to play with thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app, deposit $10, and use the code PRESSBOX. And we'll give you $10 free to play with. Underdog not only has daily and season-long fantasy contests, but also prop bets and fun parlay games where you can win every week this season, and it's not just football. There are plenty of baseball contests on Underdog too. So go to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy, click on the underdog logo, deposit your $10, and get your $10 free, or use the code PressBox at UnderdogFantasy.com and have fun winning money with PressBox and Underdog. And don't forget to join us every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. for the PressBox Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas. KZ will help you set your lineups and find deep sleepers that might still be on your waiver wire to help you win your matchups. It's all brought to you by CCBC, the Maryland Department of Transportation, and Glory Days Grill. That's the PressBox Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or listen at press and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio 
We got to get a break when we come back. The payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. You, you got CCBC out that time. I'm proud. And actually, you actually were able to say CCBC. It's always been a problem, right? Like you always, I, for a while there, for a while there, you were giving me the CCBC, <laughs> the, the live read. So I, I, it worked that time. No, I, see, I, I did it last week too. I have a little bit of a lisp. It's not overly noticeable, but I have a little bit of one. So, so, it, like, so when combine it comes all the letters, yeah. thee, 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 <laughs> you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. sound like Mike Tyson yeah. doing it. So it's 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 yeah. an effort to say there it with go. as there little lisp you did, you did, as it was possible. Good. It was well, good. Well, thank you, sir. We got to get a break. We'll get we'll get back to you with Orioles banter next. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser show. The next Taz Bowser show is Tuesday, September 28th at the Bowman Restaurant on Harford Road in Parkville. It's all brought to you by Press Box, Great Eights Memorabilia, and Express Exterior Design. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. That first sip. (sighs) That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Oh, 
Welcome back to the battery. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a little nice vacation there, Paul? No. <laughs> so I, I had to use the bathroom, and I snapped the key. Not the actual key uh, itself, but the little thing, the little key chain. Why, it, it, why do we have a Washington football team key? Uh, don't, don't. That's my I, question. I have no idea. Really weird. It's actually a Washington Redskins well, key. Well, yeah, but we can't call it that now. Well, I mean, that's what they used to be called. That's right? true. Okay, right? so it is a Redskins key. It has the Redskins logo on yes, it. But it is, am, it I, am, I the, am I the only one who likes the football team? I think it's actually, like, the name. like The, name the Washington, and the, the, I don't hate it. The name and the branding. Like, the jerseys look good. And I, yeah. like, I like the branding of the team. I think it's kind of, it's, it's. Weird because you say like, "Oh, I'm going to a Washington football team game," and people are like, "What? Like, what's?" People don't know like what that means because you say football team, and nobody has any idea what that means. But I actually love. I it sounds I pretty good I, to me. The Washington football team. Yeah, it, it's like they are the yeah, Washington right, right, right. football team, and, and the, the, they're gonna change the name by next they, year. They will, but I I like the jerseys. What do you, what do you too. think they're gonna be? Are they gonna be the Warriors? Um, are they gonna be the Red Wolves? I so there was one that I really liked, and I can't remember what it was. It was like uh, uh there was like eight of them that they came down to. But we can talk about that at the end of the show. I'll, I'll give my nah, I don't care. I'll enough. give my football team name rec- uh, recommendation uh, to, I, to Washington. I, you know what though? I do. Lo- I've never been a Washington football team fan. No, I don't care for them. I, I don't care for them, but. I like some players. On, I like Antonio I Gibson. I do. I like I, Chase Young. Yeah. I like Heineke. Yeah. I think he should have been starting to begin it, to with. Me, they didn't need Ryan Fitzpatrick. I also really like Ron Rivera. I always, I've, yeah. I've always liked Ron Rivera. Really good guy. And a, and a really good story. Yeah, a really good story. Um, you know, came back from what Trey Mancini did. He was thing. going through chemo during the season last year and yeah. was still coaching every game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know? and, and then some players had you know the audacity to not get vaccinated around him and everything, and there were some issues going on with that. Ron Rivera though is a really good guy, really well, good guy, a really good guy. We got to move on. We though, do. This is a baseball show. And we have a lot. <laughs> not to talk not about the football still. team. Show. I wish we had three hours today because this is we have three hours worth of content. Yeah, we do for the we show do. today. Anyway, the payoff pitch around the league. Cedric Mullins joined. Uh, what? Cedric Mullins became the first ever <laughs> Orioles player with a 30 homer, 30 steal season with a second inning, three run shot. But the Orioles bullpen couldn't hold a two run ninth inning lead, to te- losing to Texas 8 to 5. Paul Goldschmidt and Tyler O'Neill joined Nolan Arenado in the 30 homer club for St. Louis as the Cardinals took down the Cubs in game one of a double dip, 8 to 5. In game two, the Cards hit five more home runs as they cruised to their 14th straight victory, 12 to 4, expanding their lead over the Phillies in the wild card race to five games with eight to play. Speaking of the Phillies, they hit three homers of their own as they held the Pirates 8-6 to to keep their playoff hopes alive. The win paired with the Braves' doubleheader split leaves Philly a game and a half out of the division with a crucial series between the two teams beginning Tuesday. Speaking of the Braves, in a game resumed from July 21st, Adam Duvall, who was not a Brave when the game started, homered off Daniel Hudson, who was not a Padre when the game started, and Fernando Tatis' 30th homer in the top of the 7th that brought a season total to 41, won the game for the Padres 6-5 in 7. Make sense of that if you can, Mm -hmm. but it's what happened. Mm -hmm. In game two of this weird little doubleheader, the Braves got a home run from Dansby Swanson and eight, I'm sorry, nine shutout innings for a complete game shutout from Max Fried to take down the Padres 4 nothing, all but ending the Padres' playoff chances. When I wrote this, I didn't expect Fried to come out for the ninth, but he did, and they won. Yeah. Um, Giancarlo Stanton hit his 32nd home run, and Garrett Cole racked up a quality start with six innings of three-run ball to pick up his 16th win, 8-3 over the Wet Sox, over the Red Sox, pulling the Yankees within one game of the top wildcard spot. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays threw Jose Barrios against his former team, but it was the Twins that came out on top of the 3-1 victory thanks to a Byron Buxton two-run homer as the Jays dropped two back of the second wildcard spot. Zach Goodman's favorite player, Juan Soto, drew four walks and scored three runs, but he was no match for Nick Castellanos and company, who hit his 30th home run to lead the Reds over the Nationals 8-7 in 11 innings. 
Dylan Cease was cruising, striking out nine with no walks or, or runs allowed through five and third innings pitch before a line drive back up the box struck his pitching arm and knocked him from the game. The outing was enough, however, for him to pick up his 13th win as the AL Central champion White Sox defeated the Indians one to nothing. Miguel Cabrera notched his 2,980th hit for the Tigers in the 3-1 to loss at the hands of the Royals. There was nothing else interesting in this game, honestly. <laughs> um... Randy Rosarena and Kevin Kiermaier each drove in three runs in 8 to nothing drubbing of the Marlins, lowering the Rays' magic number to clinch the AL East down to two. The Giants hit four home runs to pick up their 100th win, 7-2 to over the Rockies. Christian Yelich tripled and homered as the Brewers stopped the Mets 5-1 to and lowered their magic number in the NL Central to two. The Mariners' one through three hitters went five for 12 with four RBIs and four runs scored in a 6-5 win over the Angels, pulling them into a tie with Toronto two games back of the Yankees for the second wild card spot. A.J. Pollock homered to help lead the Dodgers over Arizona 4-2 and keep the Dodgers a game back of San Francisco in the West. The loss keeps the D-backs tied with the Orioles in the race for the number one overall pick in 2022 with eight games to go. And finally, 17th game, the A's scored six runs in the seventh and five more in the eighth to turn a one-run game into a 12-run game as they crushed the Astros 14-2 to keep their faint playoff hopes alive. And now Zachary Rodham. Goodman, I don't know what your middle name is. Like Hillary Rodham Clinton? Is that what you're going for there? <laughs> Interesting. Zach Goodman will give us a slate of baseball on tap on for the, this Saturday. Washington Commanders. It's got to be the Commanders. That's one of the eight. Anyway, at 220, the Cardinals are in Chicago to face off against Adrian Sampson and the Cubs. At 4 p.m., the Phillies, they look to stay in the playoff race with the game against the Pirates. The Astros and the Athletics, they have a matchup where Framber Valdez and Shaw Manea take them out. Pretty good pitching matchup right there. Classic Red Sox-Yankee battle as former Oriole Nestor Cortez battles Nick Pavetta. At 6 p.m., the Tigers look to climb closer to 500. They're really close, which is shocking to me, um, against the Kansas City Royals. Florida battle of the Rays and the Marlins. Sandy Alcantara versus Shane McClanahan. Another really good pitching matchup right there. At 7 p.m., the Rangers try again in Baltimore as they face off against your Baltimore Orioles in the first 30-30 man in Orioles history, Cedric Mullins. The Nationals, their great American ballpark, to take on the Cincinnati Reds. John Gant takes on Robbie Ray in a Twins-Blue Jays matchup. The Mets, they're in Milwaukee as Corbin Burns takes the, on the vet, Rich Hill. The Padres, they're in danger of going 500 in the coming days. They'll host the Atlanta Braves. The ace, Lance Lynn, and his White Sox take on Eli Morgan and the Indians. At 8 p.m., NL West battle here with Clayton Kershaw taking on Arizona near the site of the Arizona Fall League, which is back for 2021. Excited for that. The Giants battle the Rockies in cores after becoming the first team to win 100 games this season. And at 9 p.m., Seattle, they're south in Anaheim, where Tyler Anderson will face Jaime Barea. Jaime Barea. That's how you say it, right? Jaime? Yeah. 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 Jaime. Jaime. That's right. Jaime. That's right. That's right. Give Is it J A I M E? Yeah, Jaime. Jaime. Jaime Barrett. Jaime. Jaime, um, Jaime. I was close. Jaime Barrea. But 100 wins for the Giants, by the way. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. They had, unbelievable. They had 72 wins, I think it was, yeah, in, in yeah. 2019. Yeah. The blueprint for the Orioles, maybe? I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, before we get to Orioles banter, every Monday through Friday, <laughs> Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring. <laughs> Sorry, Zach's making me laugh. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via PressBox's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And you... And 
you never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with Ravens offensive lineman Kevin Zeitler, defensive back Brandon Stevens, Ravens legend Lionel Jelly Roll Dalton, who just got a kidney transplant. Yes, for him, yes. Uh, saving his life. And Maryland defensive end Greg Rose. Find those interviews today and more, those interviews and more today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week and Review pre- feature at PressBoxOnline.com. And just want to remind you that once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and post game for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game with, without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Then you tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined post game by your favorite analysts. Check the NFL chicks of Rita Hubbard, Ken Zalas, and more. Rita joins Glenn tomorrow after the Baltimore-Detroit matchup, and you can watch the show at Facebook.com slash Sports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. PressBox's Project Game Game day, every game day, presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. That was an awful read, and I apologize. <laughs> anyway, we only have about ten minutes. We do. We got to make it quick. So, so we we gotta we gotta move here. Orioles banter. If you were GM of the Baltimore Orioles, Ben Palmer, who's a fantasy writer, uh, fantasy I believe he's fantasy sports writer. Mm-hmm. You can follow him at, at Ben J Palmer on Twitter. He put up a post yesterday. Asking Twitter users to tell what they would do this offseason if they were the Orioles' new GM and hated tanking. I thought this was an excellent idea for Orioles banter, so I took it in the ran with it. Hating tanking. Okay, so I've got to try to compete this yeah. year. Yeah, so this is what I would do if I were the Orioles' GM okay. and tanking was thrown out the window. First, first, I'd be realistic, and I'd say we're not signing any of the top five shortstops. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that. The youngest is Carlos Correa, 27 years old. He's going to command a 10-year, $300 million contract, mm-hmm. and I'm not giving him that. I'm not giving Carlos Correa to A. I, I, I don't disagree. I don't think he stays healthy that often. Well, the problem is, too, when you give out these max contracts, they rarely ever work for very long. Yeah, um, you get, maybe, you're paying you, for the first maybe, five years. Right, and not, maybe not even that. You're pay- uh, sometimes you're paying for the first four, so yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty brutal after that. The Orioles, they have – look – a prospect is simply that. A prospect. Yeah, they're a prospect. There's no yeah. guarantee. Yeah. But you have to have faith in Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson. Everything yeah. they've done this year has, I, I has do. shown I to me that they're going to be quality big league players. Yeah. And when they get here, you're paying them the league minimum. Right. Right? To to be for, potentially for, for a couple years. To it's, be potentially Trevor Story and right. Corey Seager. Right. Right. So I, I'm not giving out ten years three hundred million to any of these top five shortstops, and they're all going to command that. With that in mind, I'm re-signing Freddie Galvis to a one-year deal. Okay. What he brought, veteran leadership, his teammates loved him. Everybody loved Freddie Galvis. He hits 250. He doesn't strike out a ton, doesn't walk a ton either, but he plays good defense. He hits 250, has, a, has some pop. That's the guy I want on my team to bridge the gap until Henderson and Westberg are here in 2023. Okay. And if, and if Henderson and Westberg don't work out, then I can re- I, I can always go back into the free agent market and sign somebody, or I sure. can make a trade for somebody. Sure, there's ways to get people here where it doesn't have to be Carlos Correa or Marcus Simeon or Javi Baez. You know what I mean? Then I'm signing Marcus Stroman. Signing Marcus Stroman and either Eduardo Rodriguez or Zach Davies. Stroman would command a large salary. This is mm-hmm. very true. But what he brings to the clubhouse and the talent and swagger that he brings on the field are worth his weight in gold. This would be my only big free agent splash of okay. the of the off season. I'm giving twenty twenty five million a year to Marcus Stroman. Uh, so here's the problem I have with that, and I'll let you finish first, and I'll explain. 
All right, Davies and Rodriguez at this point in their careers are what eight to twelve million dollar pitchers, sure. yeah. right? Yeah. But solid number three or four pitchers on a good staff, they slot in nicely behind the rotation that now includes John Means, Marcus Stroman, and at some point Grayson Rodriguez. Adley Rutschman is my opening day catcher, and we talked about mm-hmm. this earlier. He's major league ready now, and I'm not keeping him down for service time because if he's a player that I believe that he is. I'm signing him to an extension before I ever get to that point anyway. Yeah. I'm not letting yeah. this guy be a seventh-year player at 30, 31 years old. I'm not doing that. You're not going to be—I'm not going to make him wait to get his first contract until he's 30 years old. It's a disservice to the player. It's a disservice to the fan base. And it's going to prevent other guys from wanting to come here because they feel like you don't even take care of your own guys. Right? Yeah. So, Grace, uh, Ali Rodriguez is my opening day catcher, and when he's— here for a year or two, maybe even by the end of next year, I'm already extending that guy. This next one is going to be unpopular, but I'd seriously consider Gulp trading Cedric Mullins to the highest bidder. He will never be more valuable than he is right now. And if he can get you a legitimate starting pitcher and two major league ready position prospects, you have to explore it. You have to entertain it. This team needs a third baseman. That guy is not coming from the free agent market where the top players, Nolan Arenado, who has a $35 million player option that you know he's going to, to exercise, 30-year-old Chris Bryant, who probably re-signs to San Francisco, 34-year-old Kyle Seager, who's coming off a monster season and has a club option for $20 million that Seattle will likely pick up, and Jose Ramirez, whose club option with Cleveland will almost assuredly be picked up, especially after they traded away Francisco Lindor. If I can get Manny Machado and a top 100 prospect... From the from the Padres for Cedric Mullins, I'm pulling that trigger. I'm pulling it. And then you're looking at Kyle Stowers, Colton Kalzer, Heston Kerstad, Austin Hayes, Robert Newstrom, and Zach Watson, where you just need three of those guys by 2023. To me, I love Cedric Mullins. I'd rather keep him than trade him. But if Cedric Mullins can bring me back the hole that I think that he can bring me back, and he makes this he makes this team better in the long run by being by not being on it, I have to explore that option, right? And Baltimore would hate me; they would hate me for it. But I'm not in the, I'm not in the business of making friends. I'm in the business of winning ball games. And if trading man, trading Cedric Mullins for top tier talent helps me win ball games, then I have to do it. I absolutely have to do it. And that's basically what I would do this offseason as the Orioles GM. All right, so I would take I, I would take a bit more of a conservative route across everything. Um, so I, first of all, I would I would agree with you. I think Freddie Galvis makes sense for this team. I would bring Freddie Galvis back. However, it cannot be too. Much. I, I don't want to spend anywhere near over two million dollars. I just don't want to go. He's not that player. He's and, a two million dollar player. And I, I don't know what he's going to ask for. And he, you know, he had a relatively successful season overall. But he um, got hurt for But two he was hurt. I would bring Freddie Galvis back. It makes sense to me. The Orioles don't have an immediate answer at shortstop. And if you look at the rest of the shortstops, I wanted Miguel Rojas really badly. I really wanted Miguel Rojas. But pick team option already has been picked up. Um, or at least, well, it's not been picked up yet, but they already told Miguel Rojas they were going to pick it up. Um, he tweeted the other day, excited to be back in Miami. So he's back, unfortunately. 
Um, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate trading. Um, you know, trading for Miguel Rojas, if I can say his name correctly, Miguel Rojas. I wouldn't hate trying to make a trade for him. I really wouldn't. I don't think the Marlins would for a guy who's 32 years old already. I don't think the Marlins would ask for a lot. He's only on a one-year deal. Maybe the Orioles get him, sign with a two-year extension. You have your shortstop until Gunnar Henderson or until Jordan Westbrook. I wouldn't hate that. I don't think you'd have to give up a lot. The Orioles are at the point where they have so much depth in their system that I think it's possible you could make some trades just some small ones and give up very little and get a solid you know replacement level player back and Miguel Rojas is better than that Miguel Rojas is a good player he is a, a good player um, and I don't think the Marlins are looking to compete I think they wouldn't really be I think the Marlins are looking to you compete. do think they are yeah, uh, but that you, division's look, tough but the division's well, not really uh, one, the, the there's, Mets there's are going to be good Braves are going to be good Nats could be even you know Nats will probably get better um, but what so what my point here is that Miguel Rojas is a guy that you could probably acquire for cheap, and he's solid. He's yeah. he's a good filler player, and I think he's a lot better than Freddie Galvis. Um, so I would not sign Marcus Stroman because I would rather not put all my eggs into one basket pitching wise. I would like to spread it out a little bit and get some you know a little bit worse pitchers. Even though I do love Stroman, he's one of my favorite players in the game. I would rather go for some guys like Michael Pineda. I think a Michael Pineda would be you know maybe ten, twelve million dollars, something like that. Makes a lot of sense. I think a guy like you say Kikuchi is coming off a really really hard end of this year in Seattle. He's been completely overmatched, but he really had a great first half. He was an all-star this year. Try to sign Yusei Kikuchi because Seattle, I know it doesn't want him back. They already have basically said he's out of there. Um, you look at a guy like Corey Kluber. Bring him in if he's cheap enough. He didn't have a great year this year. He's been okay. Threw that one no-hitter, but outside of that, he's been injured a little bit. Bring in a guy like that for you know sub $10 million. I'd rather spread it out than give it all to Marcus Stroman right now. I think in two years, if we were talking about the same thing, I'd say, oh yeah, Stroman's the guy for sure. But I'd rather spread it out and get talent, a little bit more of talent than you know all of just in one guy, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, that um, makes perfect sense. So I I would also sign a backup catcher. I think the Orioles are going to non-tender uh, Pedro Severino. They're I would, going to. I can would you be, turn me up a little bit, by I the can, way? I can. I would be a little bit surprised if Pedro Severino is still in this team. So there's some solid backup options. It's not great. But you look at a guy like Jan Gomes, it's going to be tough to sign him. He's probably going to cost a little bit because he's one of the better catchers on the market. But, man, bringing in Jan Gomes to mentor Adley Rutschman and having a guy who helps out the young pitching staff with good defense and Jan Gomes is a pretty good defender, I think that makes a ton of sense to me. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, he's projected at market value $7.6 million, Jan Gomes. That's a little high, and that's maybe a little bit out of the Orioles' price range. But hey, again, Michael Elias said he's going to look to spend money. Um, and I'm going to try to wrap this up pretty quickly here. But I, I think that generally those are the, the moves I would make. I would sign some starting pitching, maybe two or three. Um, I would look for a backup catcher, and then you look for your shortstop. Um, I don't think they're solving the third base problem this offseason. I don't think they're solving the relief pitcher problem this offseason. If you can uh, you know, do that in free agency, and then real quick, as far as trades go, I would also trade Cedric Mullins. If you get the right offer for him, it makes total sense. You can get a top 100 guy, maybe two or three. Honestly, Cedric Mullins is a 30-30 guy who's 26 years old and has team control for a few more years. He's at high value right now. Secondly, um, I would trade or uh, release Anthony Santander. Uh, so either non-tender him or train him if you can. I don't really see a future for Santander on this team. I'm pretty tired of, of the non-competitive at-bats, and I know he's been injured, but that's the point. He's been injured. He, he's always right. injured. He's always injured. Um, and I, I would like to see Santander moved, and I would personally probably try to trade him. And if you can get a few you know, Dominican Summer League outfielders that are 18, 19 years old, perfect. That's fine. Um, the value was highest last year. You didn't trade him, even though we called for it on the show. 
I don't know. That's that's the way that's the way it works for me. So I would trade Mullins and Santander if you can, and then I'm looking at Kyle Stowers and Newstrom making a pretty immediate impact in the season. Absolutely. And while, while Zach gets on the gets Melanie on the line, a lot of Miguel Rojas love. But uh, no, I, I I really do think he's a very good player. I very underrated. Well, that's that's clear. That's clear. Um, no, the whole thing with with Mullins, like, look, guys, we know what Cedric Mullins has done. He's put up one of the best seasons in the history of this franchise. We don't want to lose Cedric Mullins, but you have to look at what a guy like Cedric Mullins at this, on today, on September 25th, 2021, Cedric Mullins, his value will never be higher. It will never be higher. 26 years old, a 30-30-30 season, one of 12 players in the history of the game to have 35 doubles, 30 home runs, 30 steals, and 5 triples in a single season. He's in Mookie Betts territory there. That dude gets you... Get you major league talent, get you top 100 prospects, and then you have you have guys like Colton Kowser and Heston Curse as he started hitting again, and um, Hudson Haskins. You have Robert Newstrom. You have Kyle Stowers. You have all these guys in the outfield coming through your system. Cedric Mullins, God love him, God love him. But if he, mm-hmm. if, if a trade of Mullins gets you the talent that I think it could get you. Right. You, it, you're not doing your job if you're not listening to that offer. Sure, and, and they're going to get offers. I guarantee it. They're um, absolutely going to. And look, it, Cedric, he's not going to get... He's probably... I should say probably because I don't want to make any guarantees here, but he's probably never going to put up another 30-30 season. What he's done this year is otherworldly, and we should appreciate it for what it is, and we should realize right now that he's at the highest value he'll probably ever have. And if you're selling high on a guy like that, I don't think it's a bad move. I think it sets you up better for the future than... You know, you, you could turn Cedric Mullins into two or three good players. Players, instead of having just one great player. Yeah, here's the other thing, though. On the other side of that, mm-hmm. nobody saw this coming from Cedric Mullins this year. No. Not one person. No. I don't think Cedric saw this coming from, from <laughs> Probably from not, no. Is Cedric Mullins an anomaly this year, or is he the Baltimore Orioles' Jose Altuve? I think he is an anomaly to some point. I don't think he's you know going to come next year and, and hit 216 with, with 10 home runs and steal 10 bases, and I don't think he's going to get demoted or something, but I do think what he's done this year is a little bit of an anomaly. Um, I, I don't think it's possible to replicate. It's hard to imagine that as this Orioles roster gets better, mm-hmm. that Cedric Mullins gets worse. I agree with that. I you agree you with put that. more talent yeah. around him, I can only see him getting better. Yeah, but another 30-30 season, I think, is tough. Well, it's, but he might get he might get better in some other areas. It's never happened in the history of the franchise. Right, but it doesn't right. mean that Cedric can't hit 285 next year with 25 home runs and 35 steals. Sure. You sure. know what I mean? But 30-30, yeah. th- there's great. a reason it's never happened in the history of this franchise. Yeah. It's really hard to do. We have Melanie Newman from the Orioles Radio Network and from Masson on the line. Melanie, how are you this morning? Hey guys, I'm good. How are you? We're doing really well. We're really happy to have. We haven't. I, I was looking through my notes. We haven't talked since March. It's been a while. Yeah. We, we we haven't had you on the show since March. How has this season been for you? I know it's been a been a long, a long year for all of us, especially for those of you who cover the team day in and day out. How's this year going for you? And how are you holding up? Yeah, you know it's it's interesting just because this was the first full season that I got to have with the Orioles, and we're still not fully back to normal yet. Um, you know, we're we're still observing a lot of restrictions, and um, so you you still look forward to year three and hoping that that's the year that you really get to connect and get to know these guys on a personal level and bring out some of those stories to tell. But 
Um, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that this feels like the season flew. I, I really feel like did, we were yeah. in spring training yesterday, and um, it's hard to imagine that. We, we're already, you know, what, eight games left now, and, and then that's going to be it. And in the last two weeks of the season, of course, have been the most chaotic for me in the best of ways. Um, but it just means when all is said and done, we're going to kind of sit there in the booth while the team is in Toronto and shut the lights off and – uh, you know, you, you put another one in the books. I, I don't know where it went, but it's been so special just to see the different storylines that have come out this year. It's really incredible. The, the six-month baseball season seems to go by so much faster than the four-month off-season. Or, or, until we get back to spring training, it seems like that drags on forever, and then you get into the season, and it's over in the blink of an eye. It's absolutely unbelievable. Now, you mentioned some great storylines, and we were just talking about Cedric Mullins. How special was it to see him hit that 30-30 mark uh, in the game last night? You know, it was really cool because we started wondering um, the the pressure to get to the big round numbers right. is always the hardest. Um, we saw that with Miguel Cabrera. You know, he wasn't going to be benched. He was going to play no matter if they were home or on the road. Then he gets 499 at Camden Yards, and it's, oh, well, he's not going to play today. But it has nothing to do with his home run chase. Um and so you knew that for Mullins, that was sitting in the back of his head that he, he had to get this number. And I think what made it a little easier was when the guys started kind of chirping at him about it. Cedric responds really well uh, to that kind of playful, you know, I, I bet you can't do this. And so seeing Mountcastle break the rookie record and then for extra measure get 31, because again, once you get the number, pressure's off. You can get back to your normal swing. And then to see Austin Hayes and Mullins enter this little challenge with each other that Hayes was going to get to 25 before Cedric was going to get to 30. Um, and sure enough, the day after Hayes hits 22 and reminds Cedric, hey, I've only got three more, he goes out there and he crushes it. Um, and so you just hope that this means he's going to get back to himself because he was swinging a little out of character. They were a little wider than that short bat pass that he usually has. Mm-hmm. You know, he was taking after pitches that probably weren't his best. Um but you, you couldn't be more thrilled. I have a little extra pride because this is a Georgia kid. I've covered the high school that he went to. You know, I've seen how competitive that district is. I covered the college that he went to. Um, but to have somebody who is such a good person and is quietly confident, he knows he is the best hitter, but he puts the work behind it to make it that way. There's not an ego in him when he says that. Uh, it makes you really excited for what you know he's going to do in the future. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the the good person that he is because good things happen to good people, and he's really exactly. he he had his struggles in 2019, demoted twice, and then he comes in he comes in last year, leads the majors in, in infield hits, and you say, okay, this is a nice little player, about a 270 hitter. He's going to hit a few home runs. He's going to steal a lot of bases and play good defense, and then he just explodes this year, and you can see the work that he puts in. You can see the humble and quiet confidence that he has, and it's really something special to watch him on a day-to-day basis. And Melanie, he hasn't really slumped this year. He's been doing this since day one, started the year with an 11-game hitting streak, and he never stopped. How much of a respite has Mullins been for you as a broadcaster and for the fan base in an otherwise lost season for the Orioles? Well, I mean, look, it's not just Cedric that we get to talk about um, that, that makes us look forward to coming out to the park every day. I mean, there, there really are more guys on that awesome let's cover what they do side than the, you know, this is kind of a ho-hum dip in a season. And let me tell you, too, I know 30-30 is really hard to get, 
But I wouldn't be surprised that this level of production, it might not be 30-30, but that level of production is going to stay with Cedric because that's how attuned he is with himself. His swing is what other people are trying to do and they can't get to. So unless pitching takes a drastic change in the offseason, he is perfectly attuned to be able to, to continue to attack this next year. I mean, it's been absolutely beautiful. But, no, you, you look at Cedric and what he's done. Ryan Mountcastle, after he finally figured it out, he figured out how to study the game because you could tell he had this deer-in-the-headlights look maybe through April when people would ask what wasn't working for him or what was working for him. He didn't have an answer. Um, and that's because that's a guy who had just that good of pure talent to get him through every level in the minor leagues and do it really well. And, um, you know, he's, he's crushing now, and he knows what he has to fix, and he knows what he has to keep. Then you look at Trey Mancini, the fact that he's come back this year, and he has played almost every single game, which is so hard to have that level of productivity after you beat cancer. It, it really doesn't matter anything else outside of that. It's the fact that he has shown up is remarkable. John Means bouncing back after he lost his dad, you know, getting to chase down what was hoping to be another all-star season, and instead get something, in my opinion, that's a little more special in having that no-hitter and getting to be a part of that moment, watching other rookies come up and figure it out. I know everybody was excited to see Jemai Jones finally come up, and um, Austin Hayes, you know, they just announced that they're going to have baby number two, but he is destroying September. Uh, there's, There's really a lot to be excited to come watch, and you don't have to look that hard for it. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. And the, and the people that stick with this, like you and me and my co, my co, my co Zach sitting here, um, the people that watch every day, we see that, which is why you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And then Mike Elias comes on uh, the broadcast last night, says that the Orioles are open to Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez making this team out of opening day, and that they will be a focal point. Um, during the spring training this coming, this next coming season. With that in mind, Melanie, how much of that can we take on its surface, the fact that we could see Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez on the opening day roster, especially when you consider service time manipulation? Yeah, so that's what it keeps coming back to. If I had to place one over the other, I think Adley breaks before Grayson simply because yeah. he has been at the AAA level, and you've seen Grayson at AA, and again, a stellar start to his professional career so far, but you've seen the growing pains. You've seen those moments where he's still trying to learn. And for Adley, um, really fortunate. I got to know his parents this year, especially when he was still at Bowie. And um, they were very open that when some of those pitchers got promoted to AAA and he had to learn new guys and, and having that struggle of readjusting and, and learning a new playbook. This is an old school catcher, somebody that Jim Palmer would adore because he is not the wristband referral guy, especially since that's been in the headlines here lately. He's the one who is going to absolutely learn every single one of his battery mates. He's going to go out there and he's going to have your back. I mean, this kid's IQ is just through the roof with this game. And so I I would put Adley there first. I don't think he breaks on opening day because of service time. I think he will come up before the All-Star break. Um, but now that they've seen what he has been able to do, he's gotten more comfortable. The offense has come back to him now that he feels better about his defense with his new pitching staff. Um, yeah, 2022 impact, it, it feels like it's unavoidable at this point. And you can only hope, too, that, you know, D.L. Hall at one point had been on that same track, and, and you hope that he jumps back in and gets right back to doing his stuff. And he could be potentially, you know, that early 2023 target, and your rotation really starts to shape up. Yeah, and I, I think it's something that a lot of Orioles fans can be super excited about. Now, 
with the idea of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez being on this roster and potentially guys like Kyle Stowers and Robert Newstrom at some point next year, I've been saying this for months, Melanie. I don't think that you have a guy like Adley Rutschman and those other top prospects on your major league roster and expose them to the brand of baseball that we've seen in Baltimore the last four to five years. Now, with that in mind, how active do you expect this team to be in free agency and on the trade market this offseason? It's hard to tell the level of activity in terms of spending. Um, it, it was a very hesitant answer last night from Mike Elias on what they would be willing to go out and spend. And so we saw this past offseason, you know, they, they went after those smaller pickups like Freddie Galvis and Michael Franco, and, and they were able to fill holes that way. They flipped Galvis at the end of the day um, before the season could end. And it just wouldn't shock me if they continue to stick to that level of a pickup. I'm not thinking that there's going to be a blockbuster multi-million dollar grab here for a big guy. Do I think that's what would be best? Getting a veteran who comes in and absolutely, you know, just paves the way, not only on the field, picks up wins, but is also able to lead in the clubhouse. Somebody like a Scherzer, which is just way out in left field for a pickup for the Orioles. But you want to talk about that ideal anchor piece of buoying the rest of a very young club around? That's the kind of caliber that you would hope to look for. I just think it's so out of character that they would be able to go do something like that. So I think you have to fill some holes. You have to get pickups. But it's still going to continue to be those quieter grabs at the end of the day. Um, If anything, just to fill the spots that they're in dire need of having somebody come in and fill it with a serviceable job, but I don't think the big spending still comes for another two, three years. Melanie, we've heard a lot about it already this season that Matt Harvey is a, is a good possibility to return to this team. He's a guy who pitched fine for the Orioles this year. He definitely had a better a better streak after the All-Star game and, and started to look like the Matt Harvey that we saw in the first few games of the season. Uh, but overall, not really a great year for him, but his agent is Scott Boris, and Scott Boris generally you know, commands a lot of money for his clients. Is this reunion with Matt Harvey as clear-cut as it seems? It it seems like this is a a move the Orioles are definitely going to make. Yeah, you know, at first when Matt Harvey joined the team, I was really hesitant, if I'm being completely honest, about how well this would go over. Sure, yeah. The you know a few things that kind of preceded his actual resume, and, and you wondered how that would affect the club. I mean, look, David Price in Boston, did not go over well. It was a really negative effect on some of their rookies. And so you started to ask yourself, you know, would this be that kind of a situation? And I think if you're looking at the personal stories this year, the guys off the field, he's the biggest one because the Mm -hmm. newfound Matt Harvey in discovering himself and being a team guy and wanting to make a difference for rookies, um, it has been such a breath of fresh air and a revelation in knowing that he has the ability to impact more than just when he's picking up the ball every five days. And, and at first, I wasn't sure if I wanted to buy that storyline. Um, yeah. But then you saw it on camera. You saw that he was in the dugout, on the rails, paying attention to every game. He was always talking to the younger guys that were around him. Um, and, and it made you smile because you know that he has finally come to that place of humility of, hey, this is what I did do this and then don't do this. And I think there's some really valuable lessons when you do have to go through things the hard way that hopefully you can save some of those younger guys from committing the same issues and and really learning what it is to be the team guy. Um, Yeah, so you mentioned Boris, and, and I think certainly that the Orioles would have those arguments on their side of, you know, he did okay. But this wasn't you know, the guy that came out and was our ace, so we'll give you a chance. It's not going to be for the money you want. 
but you're safer here than you probably are with the other 29 clubs at this point because everybody else will probably look at you the way that they did before you even joined the Orioles, if that makes any sense. And, and the symbiotic relationship that he's built with the coaching staff and understanding you know, the advanced analytics side, which he had admitted that he never really bought into until he came here, but they still bring the old-school baseball aspect to it. That's, that's another anchor for them is to say, look, you thrive here. Nobody else does it like we do it. You probably won't have a good of a season if you go somewhere else. Well, yeah, I, I think that in all likelihood we are looking at a re- reunion between Harvey and the Orioles, whether it's on a major league deal or a minor league deal, remains to be seen. Um, now, we're doing a lot of talking about the 2022 season. Of course, that's assuming that there's going to be a major league season in 2022, Mel. And with the current CBA set to expire in December, that's no guarantee. How confident are you that the Players Union and Major League Baseball can come to an agreement and avoid a work stoppage? And if they don't, how devastating will that be for the game of baseball? The chaos it causes if there isn't a season is exactly why I'm above 90% confident that the season will go on no problem. Now, Agreed, the yeah. worst-case scenario that I have heard is that there could be a two-week delay to starting the season just because of negotiations. But um, not that COVID was a good thing by any means, but I think we've all been able to draw that there were those bright moments to pull away from it. You know, we all have more time with our families. We kind of reset. And for baseball... They didn't have it. And so this was this recognition of because we went so long, because the fans were so separated from the game, we can't afford to have another stoppage. I mean, you're talking something that's even above what happened in 94 because 94 happened without a prior disruption. And it still severed so many fans from the game, some of them for life. Some of them never came back to the sport. My dad did not pay attention to baseball after the 94 season until 2017. And then, of course, it was unfortunate because he latched on to this Astros story that they came back and, you know, the hurricane oh, and, and they lifted Houston and, and then he's back That's out of it again because, of course, the scandal broke. But um, they, they can't afford to not have baseball, period. And, and I think that the fact that they've already started preliminary negotiations, understanding that there's more things that they have to get out of the way early that's what's going to start taking a step forward. Now, the salary cap, salary floor whole negotiation is another story for itself. I still don't see them agreeing to it, even though I think that would be best for the sport Is it as far as sustainability is concerned. Um, the other half of that you have to look at, too, is there were so many issues left on the table after the last CBA that they just didn't get to. They got one or two items that they were really big about, and then all these little nuances because they just wanted to get it done and over with. Um, they fell to the wayside, and they keep rearing their heads over these last couple of years, especially when you look at the whole sticky substance issue and having one uniform baseball that works for everybody. Um, so you, you have to wonder if at some point they don't look at new representation that is going to be more of, of a lawyer sentiment and making sure that they really dig into some of these scars and they get all that stuff out in the open and all of the things that they want to fix and all of the things that they need moving forward. Um, and, and are able to move forward from there. And that's on both sides. Um, not only is it for the players to have somebody who's going to be aggressive and, and really go after it here, but for the commissioner side as well, having somebody who is not stuck in an office, who is actually in the game, who loves the game, and still wants to see it continue to move forward. Because right now the two sides are just they're polar opposites from each other. Right. But again, 
with the loss 2020, they can't afford to not have it. Yeah, with what happened in 2020 and the bad look that it was with both sides just arguing over semantics at, at certain times, it's it would be mm-hmm. the worst possible thing for the game of baseball for a work stoppage. And, that, and that's why, Mel, I think I'm, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you where I'm very confident they're going to get something done because it's, it's going to be awful if they don't. Um, now, look, we can't have Melanie Newman on the bat around without talking about where your career is headed, where you've been, and where you're going. We discussed on the show in the past how much of a pioneer you are. And, Mel, you just keep adding to that resume. You were part of the first all-female broadcast on YouTube over the summer. You're one of, I believe, uh, it's four full-time female broadcasters in the game. Is, is that correct? Um, I think that would be it, It's myself, Susan Waldman, Ginny Kavnar, and Jessica Mendoza. And, of course, we all serve different roles. Um, but as far as being, you know, in a booth in a full-time circumstance, I think that comes down to myself and Susan. Well, well, so then one of two, which is even more elite. And now you're about to be part of the first all-female baseball broadcast on ESPN on Wednesday when you join Jessica Mendoza in the booth for Wednesday Night Baseball. It just came out you're going to be calling the Dodgers-Padres game. Mel, in your wildest dreams, did you ever imagine the impact you'd have on this business? No. <laughs> um. I first, I never thought I would be doing this. Uh, I was a very shy kid. I loved baseball. I liked kind of being behind the lines. I loved writing it. And, and by a fluke, I ended up taking advice and, and going the broadcasting route. Um, had really, really good people along the way who, who fought for me in the minor leagues. And I got, I really did get to a point of being happy where my feet were. And I had met so many minor league lifer broadcasters and I didn't figure it out for the longest time how they could possibly be happy you know double H Chattanooga or Birmingham and, and all these other stops and my 2019 year in Salem was when I had finally come to that moment of fruition of I'm in a good organization I have a general manager who loves me who has told me I have the job as long as I want the job uh this is where I could I could make a life in Roanoke Virginia and it was just funny the timing of everything that I came to meet with the Orioles, still didn't think it was an interview. I, I thought, if anything, it was a potential, you know, if we need a fill-in here and there, five, ten games, that would be great. Um, how do you feel about baseball? How do you feel about broadcasting and, and the way that things are going? And then I got the offer, and um, I couldn't believe it. I actually walked away from a different negotiation with a different team because Baltimore was giving me the ability to do sidelines and to do play-by-play. And I've always loved having both. And everybody has always told me, well, you have to choose. Nobody gets both. And um, I just I feel fortunate that, that Baltimore agreed and that they wanted somebody who could connect on multiple platforms with the fans because if we're not connecting and, and they feel like every time they, they tune in, they don't know who it is. You know, it's, it's always a rotating cast. You lose that connection. And especially in a rebuilding year, you have to have that connection. Um, but when you, you talk about the pioneering aspect of it, it just doesn't like, I'm just doing my job. Right. I, I was the first in the Southern league, the first in the Texas league. We were the first all female in the Carolina league. We, I was part of a first all female broadcast for college football. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned we were the first in major league baseball in June and now we'll be the first for ESPN next week. And it's great. Um, I would be lying if I said, you know, I, I didn't love getting some of these care packages that I've had that have certainly saved me money on buying coffee just because <laughs> people have recognized that we're doing something here. But um, at the end of the day, it's what my family has always taught me is that my gender 
really should have never been a qualifier in the first place in this right. role. Um, you know, that you show up, you get to be the first, and you get to keep opening up the gate for more people when you don't act like you're the first. You just put your head down and you make sure the quality of work that you put in is the same as the men who are next to you doing the same job. Um, I feel grateful for it. I definitely recognize that the amount of attention around it is opening more eyes. I've gotten more emails and messages and letters than I can even relay of, you know, I wasn't sure when I saw they hired a female and, you know, you've changed my mind on it, which I'm never going to have a good response to because, you know, you kind of want to be like, well, why would you have even thought that in the first place? But you do appreciate, you know, them admitting that they've had a more open mind to things. And, And likewise with little kids and, you know, my son asked me why this girl was on TV and it was an educational moment for them of, it doesn't matter who you are or what you look like. Anybody can go and do that job. Or my daughter saw you and got excited because she never realized that she could do this job. I never thought I would be in this job because I never saw anybody else doing this job, period. Um, even when I got deeper into broadcasting, my thoughts were still, oh, I can, you know, anchor in a studio or I can do sideline work. But play-by-play never entered my brain. Even when I started doing play-by-play in college, it was, well, this is for my college and, it looks good on the resume, and, and that'll probably be the end of it. Um, so, no, it's it's very overwhelming at times to still realize that all of these different things just continue to come back in. But it's not without a price. Um, you know, we did the game this last Wednesday for ESPN, and it was Padres-Giants, and, and it was fine. I was off for the Orioles-Philly series, so I had time to prep. Um, flew down Tuesday, called the game Wednesday night, got back to the hotel at 3 a.m., got up at 6 to catch a flight for this Texas series, and my flight was canceled. There were no flights into Baltimore. So I had an eight-hour drive um, on three hours of sleep to get into cover Texas. And I think that's what people don't realize that I would definitely love to bring that to, is this doesn't come without a price. You know, it's not this glittery life, and it's the same for the players. It's not perfect. Um, you're still making sacrifices. You've still got long nights, late hours, a lot of work and preparation to be done. Um, but it's still a blast. I, I wouldn't trade a moment of, of doing this. It's definitely been worth it. I'm just excited, honestly, to get to the point where it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter you know, what you identify as. It's just we've hired this new broadcaster. This is their qualifications the end because the women coming up behind me in the minor leagues right now calling games are so beyond stellarly talented i mean some of them in my opinion are better than me um and i i cannot wait to see where they land in the big leagues because their their time is absolutely coming well mel i'll I'll tell you uh, one i agree with you and i'm i'm so happy to see the gender equality and i'm so happy to see that that People are getting recognized for their talent and not for their gender. Um, one of my favorite nuances about that story you just told us is the fact that you didn't even realize you were interviewing for the job, and then they, <laughs> they and then they made you the offer. How cool is that? And that, and that goes back to what we were just talking about with Cedric Mullins. Good things happen to good people, so we're really happy for you. Really proud of you and everything that you've done. Um, with, you mentioned the traveling. Are you going to the West Coast for this for this uh, broadcast, or are you doing that remotely? Oh, no. So everything is still remote for everybody with MLB Network. um, We did everything from their Secaucus office. And then with ESPN, we're doing it from their Charlotte location, which a lot of people didn't realize they had. um, But that is actually their host for a lot of their SEC and ACC network opportunities. 
Um, and then they mix in some other things through there as well. So that, that would have been an issue had I been in San Diego for that game because I could not have driven here no matter how fast <laughs> yeah. I drove to get here for that game. Uh, that, would, that would have been, they would have set a land speed record to get here in time. Um, now, yeah. Mel, uh, the last thing I'm going to say before we get to take to rake here, uh, you mentioned how overwhelming some of this has been at times. Uh, have you taken a second? to reflect on this and I'm not blowing smoke here this is to me this is a stone cold fact do you realize it with your talent and the path that you have paved that you are on a crash course for the Hall of Fame that you're going to be a Ford C. Frick award recipient at some point like I said I'm not trying to blow smoke this is going to happen for you have you ever sat and thought about that you were the first person to tell me that um so no that just kind of that gave me like heart palpitations hearing that because again, I just, I'm doing the job, you know? And it's so funny because I think what laid the foundation for me to not pay attention was the fact that my start in the Southern league, um, I, I was against a lot of adversity there. It didn't matter that I was the first, I wasn't allowed on the bus. I wasn't allowed in the clubhouse. I wasn't allowed to talk to our players outside of our pregame interviews. I mean, and, and my partner, and I, I will give him credit until I'm blue in the face. Justin Baker, he's out of the industry now, but he fought tooth and nail with so many people on a daily basis because he wanted me in the booth. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll never be able to repay him for that. But, um, you know, you look at you look at what Susan Waldman went through. I mean, she had police escorts, and she still does. She had death threats. The things that she went through to have this job, are unfathomable for somebody to show up and call a game. You know, it's, it's not life or death. And yet people took it that way. Um, so no, it's, it's crazy to, to hear that. Honestly. Um, I always joke that my parents thought their firstborn was a boy and then it was <laughs> me. And so I'm doing the next best thing for my dad to still have that. Um, but that, that would kind of be beyond my wildest dreams at this point, because it still hasn't hit me that I'm in the big leagues sometimes because again we've been so separated I think the day that we get to stand on that dirt on the field and and watch the banners for opening day unfurl and talk to guys face to face and you know go out and talk to the kids and and give them all hugs that's when I'll finally have that moment of okay I'm in the big leagues this has come to fruition which is ironic because I'm about to wrap up year two of being here um but all the all the awards everything else it's secondary, and oh, of course it is. you know if, if we get to have that moment of of heading to New York, I guess you guys have to be the first people I'll call because you're the first people that have put it out there into a fruition. Um, but man, that's that's really overwhelming to hear, and I'm sure at some point it'll hit me that I'll be able to look back and reflect on all this. But at the end of the day, it's it's really it's not about me at all. It's about being able to tell these guys stories and humanize them and give people something to be excited about. Well, and, you know, like, like I said, we're super proud of you, and the fact that you know that it's not all about you is what makes you so good at your job. And we will be sure to introduce you the next time as future Hall of Famer Melanie Newman <laughs> when you come on the show. Now, Melanie, before we let you go, 
Uh, we do. You've played Take to Rake. Have you? No, you've never. Did you play with us last year? Did you play Take to Rake last year? I, I would say she I did. did not. I would say she didn't because she was on in March, so she, probably yeah, and, not. And I know we had you on last year, but I, I couldn't remember if you played with mm, us or not. So yeah. Melanie, I don't think I've played. We play this game called Take to Rake, and this is the second to last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, this is the last week of the season. This is the last yeah, take to yeah, rake you're right, you're right, of the you're right, season. You're right. So here's what we do. Are we doing playoffs this oh, year, though? Boy. We could be doing playoffs. We'll, we'll do playoffs, but okay. this is the last regular season take so, to or, rake. Orioles take the rake. So, right. so this is our championship week here. Um, Melanie, what we do is we each pick a player that we think is going to have the best offensive week for the Orioles. If you okay. win that week, you pick first next week. I lead. I won last year. I have ten wins this year. Zach has eight. Our guests have just four. And then we have three ties. Now, here's the thing, Mel. We don't know who won this week. Uh, we do. We do. We do. Uh, no. We but, do. We so, do. So, Melanie, I'm going <laughs> to let you decide. Okay? No. So, uh, so, I took Austin Hayes. He went 8 for 25. He had a hit in every game. A home run, two doubles, five RBIs. He had a 320, 414, 520 slash line with a 934 OPS. Zach took Cedric Mullins, who went 7 for 23, a home run, two doubles, a triple, 304, 448, 521 slash line with a 969 OPS. Now, Melanie, that's very similar weeks there. Very similar weeks. I want you to to put aside the fact that Cedric Mullins hit his 30th home run to get the 30. No, I think you should take that into account, Melanie. I think that's an important (laughs) factor. So put that aside. And hopefully, think about this. If Zach doesn't win, you're handing me the championship. Correct. You're handing yeah. me the championship. So with that in mind, who won last week? Okay. Do not come after me for this one because I was trying to run through my head who I would pick. And before you even rattled off anybody, I had thought to myself, it has to be Austin Hayes because he's on a 10-game hit streak. I think he's going to hit 25 home runs now that he's been challenged to do so. His buddy Doc has been giving him good juju this whole time. He is obliterating everything right now. Cedric has a really good benchmark. That's huge. But this week, if we're looking at the season, I'm probably going Mullins. But I'm going Hayes in this particular situation. And your 2021. Look how look how proud he is over here. Take to rake <laughs> champion for the second straight guy. season, Paul Anthony Valley the third. Wow. Thank you, Mel- Melly. I swore I swore with the 30th home run by Mullins mm. and the. That, you uh, know that's the second time you've left it up to the guest and they've picked against me. That's well, the second time. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm over two with the guest. Maybe I'm just more likable. Nah, that, that must but, be it. But Melanie, with that. Must that be it. With with that, I really uh, and the fact that Zach needed this win to stay in the race, I really thought you'd pick Zach, but you picked me, and I appreciate you for that. With that in mind, Melanie, because you did so and you you gifted me this championship, you will pick first today. Wow! Now, um, the only stipulation here: Kyle Stowers took Richie Martin last week. It was a sentimental pick, not a winning pick. Um, you can't you can't take Richie Martin. Which I don't think you would have anyway, but you can't. If you wanted to, you can't take Richie Martin. Any other player on the roster is available to. Who are you taking for take the rake? You know, Richie Martin and I shared a year in the Texas League together, and I'll always appreciate him for that. But you're right. He's not my pick because I kind of just gave it away a minute ago. I'm still sticking with Austin Hayes. I still think he keeps crushing. He's going to get to 25. He's tired of hearing Mountcastle and Mullins jabber on that they're the home run kings. 
And look, he's riding new dad power times two. I think he's got this one. Yeah, and and honestly, he'd be right up there with Mullins and Mount Castle if he didn't miss a month at the beginning of the year. Exactly. He'd be right there. So Austin Hayes, a solid pick, Mel. I think you're picking up the uh, fifth win for our guests for this season. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pick second. I'm going to take Cedric Mullins. I, I, I think that he, he had that little bit of a slump. He got the 30th homer um, out of the way now, and I think that he can relax a little bit more, and he's going to have a big final week of the I'm, season. I'm just wondering, though, why are we still picking? Because you won. Just because it's a fun game. Just because it's fun. Just, just right. play the game. Man. All right. I'm playing the game. Um, I can pick anyone here, right? Anyway. Kelvin Gutierrez. Why not? No, I'm just Let's kidding. Go. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I got to go Ryan Mountcastle, of course. Well, of course. Ryan, Ryan Mountcastle. All right. <laughs> Melanie, we ran super long with you today, but we couldn't not do it because you're an awesome guest. Thank you so much for joining the program. Enjoy the last week of the season. Good luck with your ESPN broadcast, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, you know what? We'll make it sooner than later next time, and uh, I, I never mind going long with you guys. It's always fun. And, Paul, congratulations. I know it's a little bit late here, but your wedding was absolutely stunning, and I know you guys were over the moon to finally be able to have that day. Oh, thank you so much. Did you happen to get a chance to check out any of the video that we posted? I have not seen the videos yet, only because of the chaos of no, no, no. Weeks, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to, but if you ever get a chance, Laura posted our wedding video. It's about 16 minutes. It's uh, You'll cry. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, well, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but I cry almost every day for any given reason. So thank you for setting up the next one. <laughs> uh, Melly, I'm a, I'm a crier too. Laura makes fun of me for it all the time, so no worries. Thanks so much for joining the program. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Take care. That was Melanie Newman joining the program. If we're going to run 15 minutes long, it's going to be with somebody like Melanie because she's just, A, great baseball mind. Great baseball mind. B, Mm -hmm. extraordinarily talented. And C, really good person and Mm -hmm. just fun to talk to. So really glad to have her on the program. It was uh, since March. We tried a few times, but our schedules just conflicted for her. Um, So thank you to Melanie for coming on the show. Before we get our final break, just want to remind you the Tyus Bowser Show is headed your way this season. Join the Baltimore linebacker and his special guest teammates at various locations around town with your chance to get pictures and autographs and hear everything that needs to be said before and after games. If you can't make it out, you can watch the shows live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to them the next day. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by Express Exterior Design, Great Eights Memorabilia, and Pressbox. Find out more at pressboxonline.com slash bowser or at greateightsmemorabilia.com. That's great eight, the letter S, memorabilia.com. The next Tyus Bowser Show is this Tuesday night, September 28th, at the Bowman Restaurant on Harford Road in Parkville. Zach, sell us the print box. The print box. The The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Both Smoker profiles, Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey may well be the next Ravens true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 6A Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Channeled my inner uh, my inner Kyle there, and I thought that was a pretty solid library. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I gotta channel Kyle for every library I do because yeah, I, I gotta with, drop down like three octaves with his radio voice. Kyle, Kyle's uh, the re- the recordings he does for the uh, for the breaks they're insane. Yeah, like no, it's it's. He's, he's, I didn't know that was him for like the longest time. He's naturally gifted. Yeah, with, with his he's vocal, got a really really good voice. Now uh, I just told you to sell us mm-hmm. the free 
press box. The print, the print, print box. edition. The, 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 the free press box, print box, press box, uh, print edition. Mm-hmm. Don't sell it. It's free. Yeah, Go pick them just... up at any one of our uh, local area locations. We got to get a break. When we come back, we're going to close things out here on The Batter Round. As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, beer, wine, and spirit showcase and so much more come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the maryland five star at fair hill october 14th through 17th buy your tickets now at maryland five star.us with the number five every seat is the best seat at mnt bank stadium don't miss a moment of ravens football this season single game tickets are now available at baltimoreravens.com slash tickets The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The latest issue of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 5 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. If you change lanes and brake suddenly in front of my tractor trailer, I won't be able to stop. Our lives could change forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser Show. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, September 28th at the Bowman Restaurant on Harford Road in Parkville. It's all brought to you by Press Box, Great Eights Memorabilia, and Express Exterior Design. All 
All right, welcome back to the bat around. Coming into some of that Glenn Clark music mm. that we know and love so much. Zach is full, full, full volume for this Glenn Clark radio music. Uh, that's a little loud. You're gonna blow out our, our no, listeners' no, ears. No, no, that's not that loud. Guys, that's not loud. Zach sounds like he's in a good mood. He is I am, very I'm bitter. A, I'm in a fine mood. I'm, in, is, a, I'm in a perfectly fine mood. Zach, Zach is bitter that Melanie picked Austin Hayes. I, I as wouldn't a say. I wouldn't say I'm bitter. Well, you I'm, just, I wouldn't say I'm bitter. I, I, I feel like Cedric Mullins was the winner this week. I'll just put it out there. I feel like Cedric Mullins was the winner this week. I felt like they were, they were, Cedric, Cedric had the advantage in certain categories, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Hayes had the advantage in certain categories. So it's really what, yeah. which categories do you yeah. value higher than I do? Well, I, I look at Cedric Mullins having double the walks, uh, a higher on base percentage, higher slugging percentage, higher OPS. Uh, a triple in there instead of only uh, a home run and two doubles, which they both had. Mullins had had more hits. He did. He had more RBIs. He had a higher batting average. He's not, Hayes, and, Hayes, not Mullins. But. I mean, Hayes, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. And his own base percentage, for a guy whose own base percentage is right around 300 for the year, his own base percentage was 414, and his OPS was 934. Yeah. Right? So but it was it, about this week, specifically, though. <laughs> right, <laughs> was, right, yeah. right. But that's what he did this week. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what he did this week. Mm-hmm. And he had more hits and was more more productive as a hitter. So, look, Melanie has spoken. Mel- uh, Melanie, Melanie has spoken. Yeah, I guess so. I uh, guess so. Uh, all right. now I guess so. Now It is what it is. I'm going to bring a trophy in next week. I You do that. You I'm, do that. I'm, I'm going to bring a trophy. Are, gonna, are you paying for it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. It, okay. I mean, it's not going to be like an official are, trophy. Are we doing like a award ceremony where I where I get down on one knee and I present you the trophy? Like That can be Orioles banter. No, I, I really I would rather it not be. I would rather uh, it not be. We can play we can play a song and I can wear I can wear a tux. Uh, with a little sash. You, you, you do that. I I will sit here in my Raven sweatshirt. Should, should I wear the suit that I wore to my wedding? Sure. And and, and just oh, look uh, dapper for. Does Laura still have her dress? I'll wear her dress, and then we can we can do <laughs> we, we can do like a little and, a production. And, and be my, we can do a do a little be production. Be my B word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can do a little production. Not that Laura. Little 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 song and dance we can do next yeah, week. We're all about the song and dance here. Uh, look. Oriole season winding down, man. I didn't even realize that this is the last week yeah. of the Oriole season. Uh, oh well. <laughs> oh um, well. A big off season coming up. Yeah. Not just because we we want to see what the Orioles do in the off season to try and get better, but also because of the CBA that's expiring in December. And I agree mm-hmm. with you. I agree with Melanie that because of what it would do to the game if they did have a work stoppage, if they did not have a season, that, that something will it, get It done. seems like nobody's talked about it, and I think that's just because we all agree that it's going to get worked out. Look, it, it, the players want to play. The owners want to play. The GMs want to play. The Players Association director, he wants to play. They want to play. Well, players only love you when they're playing. Just ask Stevie Nicks. <laughs> I, I, I don't get the reference, but I know who Stevie Nicks is. There's that. Uh, th- <laughs> uh, what was it? I actually um, do like Stevie Nicks. I, I, I would yeah, call myself a pre- What? She's Stevie Nicks. Yeah, she's great. She doesn't great. like Stevie Nicks. I mean, yeah, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, she's bro, great. Bro, Thunder only happens when it's raining. Yeah. You know, he, I, yeah, it's the I, same song. He's I, still, I know. Zach, Zach is I, got, I got the reference. I, Zach, I got the reference. Zach is a young pup. No, I got, I get the reference. I, you I, just said you I, didn't get the reference. I, I like older music. I will say that. Well, I, I know that song. I just wasn't getting the lyrics you were putting out there. So You, I, you said I, players want to play, and it made me think yeah, players okay. only love you when they're playing. I, I don't remember that line from that song, but hey, there's it's that. It's the chorus. I don't remember. I don't. I don't like. I'm not like a Stevie Nicks super fan, but I like Stevie Nicks. It's the chorus of arguably the I most like popular. Stevie. Well, song guess what? I'm gonna listen time. to it on the way home. So you there's that. You there's should that. and educate yourself. Most you, wait, wait. Did you just say it was the most popular song of all time? Mo- their most popular oh, there, yeah, song yeah, yeah, of all time. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had a lot of them. Oh, I, they, I don't know. they did. They well, did. this kind of went off on a tangent here. We just got it to, uh, well, the ba- we, the better around pop culture. Yeah, we do that on every show. Yeah, that's true. The Ravens. So the Ravens, man. Yeah. Big, 
big, huge win. Yeah. So big that some fan got it tattooed on his leg, making us yeah. all look so dumb. What a loser. We don't want to alienate, but, if, but, nah, I'm just but, but man. He can do whatever he wants. What were you thinking? Like, what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean. Week two, and a one-point win against, a, a, like, let's just put the Chiefs on the Mount Rushmore we, we sure, of all we sure time this, We sure teams. this mystery person wasn't John Harbaugh? Uh, it may have been. <laughs> it, may, it may have been John Harbaugh. It suddenly goes from the worst tattoo of all time to the best tattoo that would of be, all time. If it was John Harbaugh, I'd forgive it all. It definitely wasn't John Harbaugh. Tom Petty reference. You didn't get it. Okay. I didn't hear what you said. Never mind. Never mind. Just say it again. Never mind. It was a Tom Petty reference. We're on Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty. They're kind of in that I, same I, genre. I honestly didn't hear what you said. I said I forgive it all. It's a song by Tom Petty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Still don't get the reference. I was but just, anyway. Okay. I, I, it's see, fine. It's fine. I, I don't know. It's, I, it's I know fine. Tom Petty, but, but Tom Petty, but I don't know enough of the lyrics to his songs. Ah, uh, okay. Well, there is actually a song called "I Forgive It All." That's oh, it's well, fine. It's fine. Right. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Tom, hey, you, Tom get a, Petty. you get a pass. Tom you get Petty, a pass. legend. About Move. the ra- about the Ravens, though, dude. You and I were both going to blow out. We, we thought they we were, were. going to get we their were. doors blown off. Yeah. And in the first half, the first drive, Lamar on third and ten throws a pick six. I just sat there and stared. It, how could you not? Yeah. You you immediately sit there and you're like, well, this is going to be a good is game, this right? Happening yeah. again. And look, Sammy Watkins fell down. Yeah. Right. The, you ha- it wasn't it, a great throw either, but Sammy was the fault there. But 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 if Sammy stays on his feet mm-hmm. and is because he got back to his feet, but by yeah. the time he got back to his feet, the ball was already almost there. Yeah. If Sammy never slips, right. he gets his hands on that ball before Matthew does. Maybe yeah. he doesn't catch it, but it's certainly not a pick six. Yeah. But it was a bad look that the first two, three, and longs that they had were, were interceptions yeah. by, by Tyron Matthew. And the second one was horrible. Yeah, Lamar throwing a triple coverage. Throwing into triple coverage to your five foot nine yeah, wide receiver. I mean, that was kind of questionable. It, and you saw Matthew point into his head. Mm-hmm. He tricked him. But then, but then Lamar locked in. Yeah. He, lo- he 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 bore down, I guess is the word for yeah, it, yeah. and locked in. And he said, I'm going to win this game. I'm going to put the team on my back. And He, he was the best player on the field. He was in unbelievable a, In a game that night. featured Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. he was the best player on the field Yeah, on, 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 yeah. on Sunday night. Uh, didn't have a turnover after that first quarter. Two rushing touchdowns. Put the team on his back. Got the game-winning fourth-and-one conversion mm-hmm. um, when they desperately needed it. Oh, wait. The defensive standout. This guy. A lot of pressure. He he had the pressure that forced Patrick Patrick Mahomes to the outside on that interception he yeah. threw. He forced the fumble by Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And in a situation where two plays into the drive, they had already gone 50 yards and were in um, in Harrison Buckner's uh, uh, field Dafe away is amazing. He's an amazing football player who is only going to get better. Yeah. He's, he's raw right now, and he's only going to get better. There were a lot of pressures that he had on Sunday night, too, that you know he, he just didn't get to Mahomes because Mahomes gets the ball out really fast. Mm-hmm. And he's also a great athlete. He can get away. But, man, he was all over the place on Sunday night. Yeah, and, and the fact that this team torched them for 250 rushing yeah. yards. Yeah. yeah with, with an offensive line that we thought we were talking about Alejandro Villanueva. Played great. He played great. He played great. He was the highest graded yeah. lineman that they had in that game. Yeah. Highest graded player in that yeah. game. He was he was absolutely fantastic. Yep. Moving back to left tackle. Still needs to learn to play right tackle. Right. That's the it's, problem. Once Ronnie Stanley's back, then we're back to, uh, they, to square one with Villanueva. They've equated playing, moving from left tackle to right tackle, like being right-handed and trying to learn to right left-handed. Really? Wow. That's what they've equated it wow. to. Wow. It you know, just doesn't seem like that much. You're just turning one way different. That seems com- like, but I guess the footwork is a little bit mm-hmm. different. So it's completely different. Um, and 
Yeah, that's interesting. I, I generally, generally, I've heard that's to be true. I just don't really see personally how it's different, but I, I trust that that's. Uh, uh, this is, they I've know a lot it, more than I do. So I've, I've heard it referenced that way a lot of times. Yeah. Now, um, we've run really long on the show, and I got a lot going on. Yeah, today. quick. So, so, so do so, I. So, quick, quick on the lines here. So I pay, I I went first uh, last week. You go first this week. Okay. Uh, forty-one thirteen Ravens. They're gonna they're gonna blow them out of the water. Um. Who's the guy who came down? Was it Matabike? Who, so, uh, who Brandon uh, Williams, it, it was COVID positive. Yeah, Jalen Ferguson Jaylen was the Ferguson. COVID. But Brandon Williams, Justin Matabike, and, uh, and Justin Houston. Uh, and I believe are, are and all in the protocol. Right. And the McPhee has an injury. I don't think that's related, though. Okay, but he so, was like grouped into the same you thing. You have a good bit of your, of your yes. defensive line who yes. might not play in this game on Sunday. I still think the Ravens win. Does not worry me. Yeah, I it still does think, not I, worry I'm me. not going to say 41-13. Yeah. I do think the Ravens score a lot of points. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go Ravens 38. Okay. Lions 23. Okay. Uh, because um, if the defensive line plays, it's more along the lines of 41-13. Yeah. Um, although I... I I don't think Jared Goff's as bad as a lot. I, th- I think he's, he's not o- awful. I, I think no. overall he's not a good quarterback. Uh, yeah, but I think he's serviceable enough that he can make some plays. Jared Goff is fine. He's fine. He, d- Qu- he, he Quentin does, he does looks the job. really good to me. Yeah, yeah. He he, he looked like yeah. a good player to me. And um, DeAndre Swift is going to be difficult to contain. He's he's a good running back. And if the if that front line doesn't play, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know but, and, I mean? and the Lions' defense plays very gritty. They're they're not a bad defensive unit. Uh, their offense is definitely the the worst side of things on that team. But the defensive unit not awful. Um, I'm not worried about it in the slightest. And that's it, it, that, this is what they call a trap game. But Lamar doesn't fall for trap games in general. Well, yeah, and, and you can't have a trap game when you're one on one and you just you just, just lost to the Raiders, City, which, right. which was a trap game, right. uh, and you just beat Kansas City and. This is actually the beginning of a stretch. They have Detroit, Denver, Indianapolis, the Chargers, Cincinnati, Minnesota, Miami, Chicago. Before um, lots of winnable games. In lo- there. Lots of winnable games yeah. before they go: Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, yeah. Green Bay. Yeah, well, Green Bay, I, I think is, is right now. If they stay like the they, the way they are, they're beatable because they, Green, they are beatable, Green Bay is like pretty embarrassing. But by by the time they play Green Bay, Aaron yeah. Rodgers can be in that. Oh MVP. yeah, he'll he'll be there. He's Aaron they'll, freaking Rodgers. They'll get better. They'll get yeah. better. So. Um, this is a stretch run here for about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight winnable yes, games. Before yes, and they've got to win them all. They've yeah. got to win them all, or this is a, a big question mark as to whether the Ravens make the playoffs this year. That's yeah. it's as simple yeah, as that. Because that stretch, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, yeah. Green Bay is... They, they should be fine against Pittsburgh. The way Ben Roethlisberger's been playing, I mean, he... Guys, Pittsburgh he doesn't really scare me as much as Cleveland ben, does. Oh, Cleveland yeah. Is Cleveland loaded. scares me so much. Cleveland um, is a very good football team. By the team. way, Ben Roethlisberger... Washed up. He's there, terrible. There is no one. There is no quarterback worse right now. He is awful. And yeah. Zach Wilson actually is pretty up there with the the worst. Qu- he threw four picks last week. But yeah, Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger cannot throw the ball past like fifteen yards. Yeah, he no, has he, he's, zero arm strength. He, he's done. Yeah, he's done. He's, he's done. He, and, and he, honestly, by the time the Ravens play Pittsburgh the first time, it might be Dwayne Haskins. You never know. It, 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 Ben's, for, for no, Ben's so fragile. Maybe maybe for another reason then right. Ben's going to be hurt. Right. 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 Anyway, that's going to do it for us here on the Battle Round. Thanks for tuning in. Special thanks to Stan for for working through those technical difficulties yep. and giving us about 10 minutes today. Thank you to Paul Fritzner, who was just absolutely fantastic. And a special thanks to the future Hall of Famer, Melanie Newman. Always great to talk to her. Wonderful person to have on the program and wonderful person in general. Guys, thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. Until then, see ya!